welcome to the WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. Dear partners and friends of What the fuck? Form, a very cordial welcome. The WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated ever-growing network of rogue independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. If any listener of the following proceedings finds themselves offended, they will be asked kindly to go fuck themselves. I was muted. My bad. Welcome to the WTF forum, y'all. Uh, it's August 6th. Man, we've we've turned into another month. And uh, I, I hate to admit it, but just to be perfectly frank, I almost didn't let this happen. I was being a little wussy poo, <laughs> sleepy time, nappy, nappy guy. And I'm like, I don't know, y'all. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but a little bit of encouragement went a long way. So here we are. Uh, I'm Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast, and I'll pass it around the circle. Sounds like Stella Q is ready. Ah, oh, hey, <laughs> I'm so glad you made it. Good on you. Put the big pants on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm Stella Q from Union of the Unknowns, also geographically from Australia. Mike, Ando. Ando, burn, Babylon, burn. Uh, you can find me... Um, on Twitter at the Doom Kitchen, uh, OG Dadbod. Yeah, OG Dadbod, OG Dadbod one, whole lot of nothing podcast. Just uh, happy to be on. Hopefully, this one doesn't go for three hours. <laughs> I got a feeling it won't, man. Um, if I if my energy level is any any indication, um, yeah, I went to Chicago, otherwise known as Chirac, and I enjoyed one hell of a good Cubs game. You know, we got the big W and, you know, it was a good time and all, but I'm kind of wiped, man. And I honestly, guys, I'm just going to admit it. I knew all day it was Sunday and at no point did the WTF forum even occur to me, which I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I, I was hungover. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> was there many chemtrails around at the time? Well, I wasn't paying attention. There was a lot of beer um, you know, American baseball, it was beer and peanuts and hot dogs. And other than that, I have very little recollection. What does a beer go for at the ballpark these days? Well, for a big boy, 15 bucks. Oh my God. That's like a whole paycheck drinking there. Yeah. Well, it's still cheaper than a pack of cigarettes in Chicago. Yeah. $15 for a beer. Is that like a standard size or one of those little plastic cups that you can't That would be for with? like a 20, a 24 ounce, I believe. Yeah. A draft. Big boy. All but, right. I have yeah. a question for you guys. So when you go to see a, a, sh a, a show, 
it's sort of like a show, a sports event. Mm-hmm. Um, over here, apparently, some of the big arenas aren't accepting any cash anymore. Like a couple of yeah. people in my other Australian group um, yeah, tried to buy a beer, couldn't do it because they didn't have any cash on them. That's what two different places too. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been seeing stuff about Australia in particular um, going more and more cashless. But that is the case at a lot of arenas. Like oh, as okay. far as I've seen, it was right. not the case yesterday at, at Wrigley field. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that's the case at like the, the football game here in Indianapolis, the Colts. Um, yeah, they're, they're doing it little by little. That's, yes. that's for sure. The frog is boiling slowly. Mm-hmm. Is that a big place that you went to yesterday or a sort of a medium sized? Oh, it's, it's a, it's a big one in terms of like, heritage history it's one of the oldest ballparks um definitely not as large in capacity as some of the more modern ones but it's a building that was put up like 200 years ago 210 years ago and it's still hosting ball games so it, it's always fun wrigley field's kind of notorious like the party is off the charts especially if you sit in the outfield in the bleachers that's where all the hooligans are so I was in good company, you know. Um, Is that like the nosebleed section? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now the Cubs, they're kind of like the uh, the nicer sports team, right? It's not like the White Sox. They're on the south side, right? Yeah, the White Sox are where you go if you like gun violence in your neighborhood. Um, the Cubs are where it? you go. Yeah, Cubs are where you go if you like. Uh, beer and and no violence whatsoever. Cracker Jacks, nope. peanuts, and and a good time. No guns. The but, White Sox know. area is is more of like the Chinatown, so it's it's not as sketchy as most of South Chicago. Yeah, yeah. The Sox are kind of the white side, so- uh, the South Side team. Cubs with the North North Side team. Um, I kid about the gun violence thing, but not really. It's kind of the case. Um, I have the funny thing. The funny thing I was just going to say about Illinois, I had to consciously leave my firearm right in Indiana. Cause if you get stopped, if you have a gun in Chicago, it's bad news bears. Funny enough, you said bears, um, their other team, but uh, I have a friend in Chicago that got on to me about not wearing masks. And mm-hmm. I said, dude, you're worried about droplets when there's bullets whizzing through the air. Uh, we don't talk anymore, but yeah, there you yeah. Go. I mean, this is a guy I went to the wedding of and, you know, knew for a really long time and uh, won't have anything. He blocked me because I wouldn't wear a mask. Really? Mm. He might pick something up online too. Those droplets might come through the internet. Right. You're scared of droplets. Scared of lead. I hear the internet's a vast series of tubes, so I suppose that's possible. Yeah, some of the spit does get caught in the corners. (laughs) Look, you know, something that used to amaze me was through that whole COVID thing. (laughs) Um, They never stopped people licking envelopes. Hmm. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, 
I shared, I, I was trying to see if I could get it up here, but it doesn't seem to want to cooperate. But I did share a clip with the WTF forum uh, telegram, and it was of all of these Cubs fans stacking their empty beer cups, right? Uh, making a giant snake of beer cups. And at one point, I saw this guy, and he just had beer from like 12 cups, like dripping on his arm. And I and I couldn't help but like think about how unacceptable that would have been a year ago or two years ago, you know, <laughs> and and I, I hate to say it, but I got a little cheeky with my family. Right. I, I'm kind of the black sheep in the family, only unvaccinated one of the bunch. But little by little, they're sort of realizing that I wasn't so crazy. But we were walking out of the game and right across the street from Wrigley Field, there's this building with signs up and it says free covid tests and i i started jumping up and down like a little kid and i go "Ooh, can i have one please can i have one i want a covid test i want a covid test almost like a kid at the carnival and i got a laugh but at the same time i could tell um my family was kind of like oh he's he's kind of making fun of us <laughs> I was being a little bit of a drunk asshole. I'll say that. But I it was more tongue-in-cheek than direct. That's all right. Drunk assholes are better than just assholes. So you yeah, have an excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I, you I thought of this stuff. You have to make them laugh. That, that's how you're actually probably going to get them, you know? Actually, you make it, I, make it I agree. I agree because I did get a laugh because I was being funny. And yeah. <laughs> it was absurd, right? At this point, it's absurd. So why was it not absurd a year or two ago, right? And it is almost the only way, I think, to get through. Um, but yes. anywho, Definitely. anywho, that was my weekend. So forgive me this week, uh, this you know night, if I'm not as sharp as usual, but I'll do my very best. And like I said in the chat, I'm going to like lean on y'all a little more than usual. But that's kind of the whole point of this forum anyways, you know? I, I I shouldn't I shouldn't carry the whole thing. I don't want to, and and nor sh nor do I need to. You guys bring some killer shit. So where do we want to start? That's my question. We we were already starting. We had an amazing transition. Oh yeah. Um, Stella was talking about about the stadiums going cashless. Cashless. And and this is the real interesting one is that that um. It says on your on your paper money, it says that this note is legal tender for um, all debts, public and private, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the national parks were trying to trying to refuse cash, and that's public. So, yeah, um, interesting how that that's been going down, and they've always used the uh, the excuse. Uh, oh, we're not taking cash because COVID, and this this w seems like a big part of the whole scheme because it was you know, it, it, during the whole thing they decided to change um, the way we use money and they printed a whole bunch of money and they put people on a UBI, so uh, this all coincides with really everything everything that we're headed toward. Anybody else? Oh, it definitely does. I mean, they didn't worry about it with SARS or with AIDS or anything like that. So why all of a sudden is money suddenly infected? Well, they've been 
Is it been printed in Wuhan or something? <laughs> Joking, because I don't think it came from Wuhan. Yeah, I, you know, obviously, like, it's, this is one of the um, open conspiracies, right? This is like something they're perfectly blunt about. They want to get rid of cash. Yeah, we, we were just having actually this conversation a little bit um, in my other Australian group on Telegram, and we were talking about some guy uh, raised a question. Is it legal or is it unlawful? to walk in with, say, five, we've got five-cent pieces. I guess that might be your nickel. I'm not sure. Five-cent piece. And they're small silver coins <clears throat> because the copper, ones and two cents, they were eradicated years ago. We no longer have those. Um, so five-cent pieces. The question was, is it illegal for a shopkeeper um, to refuse payment in coinage, like five-cent pieces, for instance? And um, there was a little bit of debate and, and um, we had a look. At, we looked it up and basically it is not unlawful for somebody to refuse payment in five-cent pieces. And the Reserve Bank, um, which is kind of like, I suppose, our Fed in one way, um, well, it is, they set a limit as to how much you – it was a, like a percentage of whatever it was, so many percent of the um, sale of the item can be in coinage. Over that, it's basically you just expect it not to be accepted. So I guess there's several parts to that. I mean, there's the – cashless thing of course and then there's also the labor side so at the end of the day they've got to oh geez they have to count all their money <laughs> so time consuming so um that's sort of yeah that's where that's at so it is not unlawful for people to refuse what is supposed to be legal tender and you know it says on the notes as ando pointed out it says that this is legal tender um it also says in god we trust so there you go <laughs> Do you think that's part of why they're trying to get rid of it? It's got like that that religious component. <laughs> that's definitely a cherry for them. Absolutely. Mm. That's really interesting. I never thought of that. But, you know, uh, it is the last thing from the government that says God on it, and they're going to take it away from us. Yes. Well, I was actually very surprised the other day when um, I was having a chat with Bear and um, – uh, I'd just come from watching a um, a hearing in, in court in Victoria, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's early, I haven't talked much yet, mm. um, and I was very surprised at the swearing in that they did include, so help me God. Oh, no, no, actually, sorry. Uh, oh, geez, what was it? Now I've stuffed myself up. Yes, that's right. Um, it was, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And then I was waiting for the so help me God thing and it didn't come. Mm -hmm. But there was yeah. something earlier which I thought, oh, they, they still include that. So that was good. I, sorry, I can't remember specifically. But it was sort of like, a, oh, okay, good. I was surprised. And then the end bit, it was like, oh, bugger. <laughs> oh, it kind of reminds me of them um, altering the Hippocratic Oath without telling anybody, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like the end bit, so help me God. That's the bit they don't want, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. help. They don't want God to help. Well, what's the point of swearing if you're not swearing on anything? Yeah, I mean, it's all online, so they don't say, you know, do you have a Bible there or anything like mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was years ago, I think, that they sort of stopped doing that because in, you know, religion, religious equality, I suppose, where you didn't have to put your hand on the Bible in court. I assume it's the same over there. 
Oh no, you still have to. I, I believe you still have to put your hand on the Bible here. But oh, I really? imagine, I imagine that might not be for very much longer. You know. Mm. Yeah. Oh no, that was years ago that they stopped that here. Mm. Check that up now. But yeah. Yeah, I. You know, I. I think it's just kind of like nothing's nothing's sacred anymore. You know. A man's word is no longer his bond. There's no longer. I mean, they talk about like the social contract. No, the social contract is on fire. You know, like as these wiling out videos kind of show us, right? I mean, is it a good time to transition and see what's happening at the uh, local 7-Eleven? Oh, I thought we were going to get into the payment chips. Oh, actually, that would be better. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Huh. See, I'm just not with it today, guys. I'm. I'll get there, maybe. But yeah. So we've got this video of this gal. Um, I'll pull it up here, and she she is so stoked. She's so stoked to be paying with her hand. It's kind of crazy. Here we go. Paying for my groceries with my. That's the coolest thing ever. That's the coolest thing ever. So cool. <laughs> cool as hell what? burning. Yeah. Who said it? It was like this these people don't even know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. It's it's like digging your own grave, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember 20 years ago whenever they said that this wouldn't happen. Didn't somebody share in the Telegram group something about nanotechnology being in the uh the vax? Yes. Uh that was uh that was from a Reese report. Um but, Wasn't that uh, just a big conspiracy when it came out? You know, oh, oh they're yeah. not putting anything in the vaccine. Well, I, I mean, that that was just one of those things that was so clear to me. Uh, but I remember their denying of it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, electricity uh, but was find... probably a conspiracy when it came out. So. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody knows Tesla was crazy. <laughs> Sorry, Ender. Well, they're, they're, finding, uh, they're finding it in unvaxxed people as well. So that, you know, hey, Rob mentioned this whenever in a personal conversation but uh but yeah you're we're getting affected you know just because these people took all this stuff and all of this stuff is out here that it's gonna make its way into us somehow so that's pretty sketchy and you know drew always mentions that that they were already putting the mrna into uh into chicken vaxes years ago and now we're just now finding about uh, out about it because we didn't we didn't even have mrna on our our radar until three years ago yeah and that's what they do isn't it i mean we all know well we don't know but we 99 percent know that um their technology is way ahead of what we could possibly imagine and we just we just get the scraps they throw out basically that and we're amazed by that so um yeah i mean i think that's what happens is they tend to tell us about stuff they've already been doing and make it look like it's new 
Do you agree? So with that? this this is reminding me of the whole um like they they test it out with our pets first, right? This is the exact same technology as what you have in your dog. It's just an RFID chip, right? That's what I'm reading. And supposedly, according to a 2001 survey in the UK of over you know 4,000 people, said 51 people would con- 51% would consider it, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, what was your? I would say more than that. I would say what was your um, country's vaccination rate, and that's exactly how many people would consider doing this. Yep, it was a social um, thermometer. For sure, mm. the level of compliance. But I believe they've been doing this microchip technology in places like Denmark, etc., for years and years. It's been fully mm-hmm. embraced. Well, not fully embraced. I shouldn't say that, but it has been embraced on a large degree, uh, especially by you know the the blue collar workers. I suppose you could call them NPC. <laughs> no, we won't go that far. This is kind of crazy. So uh, it says financial technology or fintech. Okay. Uh, expert Theodora Lau is co-author of the book Beyond Good, which I find to be an interesting title. Beyond Good, How Technology is Leading a Business-Driven Revolution. He says that implanted payment chips are just an extension of the Internet of Things. Sorry, just while we're here, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that, Go that ahead. title, Beyond Good, how technology mm-hmm. is leading a business-driven revolution. I see like an, a perfect inversion of the love of money is the root of all evil mm-hmm. <laughs> right there. Mm-hmm. What stood out to me was um, referring to our bodies as a part of the internet of things, right? You are now just a thing. Yeah. Hmm. Internet of bodies, it's usually called, but now they're just calling it thing because then people won't make the connection. Well, as far as I know, the Internet of Things is like your TV, your washing machine, your dryer, your Fridge. your dishwasher, your refrigerator. Yeah, they're all connected to the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is getting real sci-fi. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, right after, you know, the, the Y2K stuff. But, you know, all the religious people in my family would talk about, oh, the mark of the beast is going to be when they put the, the chip in you or you, mm-hmm. you got to take this shot or X, Y, Z. And then um, strangely enough, when the when the time uh, came to do something, everybody, well, we just got to do this to, you know, go along to get along. You know, if I don't if I don't take this, I'm not going to be able to eat. So it's like, you know, what have you been preparing for years for? Mm. You know, all that food isn't going to do you any good if you're, you know, just going to roll over and take the shot and bow down. So this is kind of interesting. Um, and this reminds me of the whole, like, uh, what, what's Elon Musk's thing? Um, Neuralink, right? Yeah. And how, and how he always says like, this is going to help people with amputations, uh, like control their, their, you know, whatever the word is, the, Bells. you know, <laughs> No, no, no. Like their their limbs, their artificial limbs. Their yeah. um I'm I'm blanking on the word, but you know, he's he's arguing, Elon Musk, that like these Neuralink Im- implants are gonna help the disabled. That's the very first argument for why we should do this. 
And it says that same exact trope here in the in the BBC article. It says uh, its implants are aimed at people with disabilities who can use the chips to automatically open doors. Oh, you know, because we haven't already found 10 other solutions for opening doors. Um, you know, it says we have daily inquiries. We have carried out over 500 implants in the UK, but COVID caused some reduction in this. Good. Good, man. People are probably a little sketched out at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the way propaganda works. Ashley and I were chatting about this the other day. It's just, mm. um, Well, we always, everybody chats about it. It's the heart of propaganda, isn't it, is to <laughs> go to the core of the heart. So they're always hiding behind children, older mm. people, elderly people, sick people, and disabled people. Like the a disadvantaged, the disadvantaged, the marginalized. Yeah. Choose yeah. your Choose your word. Um, yeah, and target is, the heartstrings. That's the only way they're going to get things through because they get through that hard shell exterior and get into people's hearts. And that's what makes, oh, yeah, and no, I don't want to be seen to, holding, to be holding that up, you know. This last quote kind of sticks out, reminds me of something else. Uh, the technology has been used in animals for years. They are very small, inert objects. There are no risks. In other words, safe and effective. Effective. Right, and also for right. national security. That's the other yeah. one I left out. They always also hide behind animals. Mm. Well, and, and when he says there's no risk, he means to your like your health from the object. Uh, how about the risk of just you know being chipped in general? And like, yeah, there's no risk in getting a tattoo with a serial number on it either. From a, a certain perspective, it's kind of what it stands for. You know. Do they really need to to chip us, though? I mean, we've got phones. I mean, you know. Right, right, right. True. I think well, so, some some people have still resisted getting a phone. I know a couple. Um, yeah, sorry, Andrew. Oh, sorry. Uh, last week, I showed y'all a clip. I, I just put it to the front of our Telegram chat. Uh, but it was a whole bunch of people that are that are in line to have their biometric to give away their biometrics. Uh, for War World Coin Orb, which is Sam Altman, the uh, the transhumanist who is all about the AI stuff, the guy that came up with uh, ChatGPT, um, and you can see them all lined up for it. Uh, it's it's really depressing to see how many people are just voluntarily enslaving themselves, and uh, it also makes me think. I go through the airports all the time. And uh, they have this program called Clear, where you can give your biometrics away to some private company that will put you to the front of the security line. I often get in with them because I'm A-list on, uh, on Southwest. And, you know, I didn't have to give my biometrics away. I just fly so much that they just put me to the front. But, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's pathetic what people will do just to not wait in a line. And this is funny because they're waiting in a line to, you know, eventually not wait in a line. And funny things about lines is I've always noticed that nothing attracts a line like a line. So if you just got <laughs> yeah. like a hundred people to randomly line up to nothing, people would start getting into that line to find out what they're, what they're interested in. Wow. Yeah. It's astounding, isn't it? Uh, when you said, um, they call it clear that uh, just sparked the fact that uh, Peter Thiel, 
um, who's involved, you know, Palantir. Uh, Clearview is the actual facial recognition software that, oh gosh, that's been around since 2002, three, four, 2004, I think it was. Um, and that, that as well, I mean, they, they, that's where they scraped everyone's faces off the internet. So like Facebook, etc. that's the social media is the burly, as I keep saying. I don't know if you guys know what burly is. Somebody said they didn't. So it's stuff you throw out to attract fish. Mm, um, like, so chum, you blood like chum or blood yeah. meal. Yeah. That sort oh, of thing. I thought it was tobacco. Right, mm. so it's burly, yeah. Um, just so you know, because I often use that reference, and I forget that you guys are American. Right, um, right. So yeah, Peter Thiel's Clearview—that's what's behind all that, and also some guy involved in uh, from Melbourne was in, also involved in that. I feel like this is a theme that keeps coming up, where um, they just call it what it is, like Facebook. You know, like, oh yeah, now they have a book of literally all of our faces. Yep. We, we did a good one there, guys, you know, and we did it voluntarily. I mean, again, like that's kind of what you're talking about. The, we just line up for this shit. When I say we, I'm, I'm using the, uh, you know. Them. I'm not talking us. Yeah, it's them more Without or less the at this point. At this, at this point, but, you know, I was one of them for a while. Um, but here, yeah, I'll play this video real quick. This is people lined up to get the biometric thing that, um, what'd you call it, Ando? Uh, it's their their eyes. They're getting their irises scanned, and I, I don't think this has uh, good audio, but it, it'll be good for our video audience. We can even talk over it if we want to, um, sure. because this is making me think also of uh, of X and how um, how it's supposed to be the everything app. And the one main thing that Elon really wants to achieve out of all of this stuff is for people's uh, personal identity to be tied to their online identity and you know whenever it comes down to your chip your uh your iris of your eye your you know fingerprints i guess fingerprints are not foolproof and uh and that that's probably always been true but you know just being able to identify you and then you know whenever they have something like they do right now with you know the the tyranny of covid or or just you know you saying things that are possibly sympathetic to uh to russia while the united states is trying to have a proxy war with them um then they know exactly who to go after and that that's the scary thing about all of this is that you know uh you might still have your freedom of speech under elon but uh but they're going to make sure that your consequences of your speech or felt in every aspect of your life. And that's why, that's why this stuff is so dangerous. Yeah. And if you look at, um, the, what Yuri Bezmenov told us way, way back, you know, 1984 ish or might've been earlier than that. Um, he spells it out in clear, clear language. What's coming. I mean, nobody really listened. Well, I guess he wasn't fully promoted. I don't know how well he was promoted back then, but I encourage everyone to go and, uh, I'm going to put the link right there for Mike. Um, go and have a look at uh, what Yuri Bezmenov, who's a ex-KGB, um, defected from Russia many years ago, and he told us the whole manifesto, basically. I've got it right here. Beautiful. There's a there's a few versions. There's um there's some of there's on YouTube. There's um a collection of lots of different interviews he did. Then there's one main interview, and there's also smaller sections if people just want to get the gist. So this says KGB defector Yuri Bismanov's warning to America. 
several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? The result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you... If you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people. Okay, I'm curious to stop. I want to stop there and say, like, where do y'all think we are in this cycle that he's describing? I think Deep. we are the teachers for the next few generations. That's what we're jo our job is, and that's what we're doing right now. That's what we're trying to do. I, I, that was kind of my thought trying. as well. Yeah. Ando, did you have something there? Oh yeah, I was just saying that that we're deep into the the Marxist subversion of a society. 
So, um, yeah, this uh, it's like 1984 in so many ways, and I'm sure that that's why why it was written and um, is that taking away people's words and uh, and making them not giving them the words to rebel with is the uh, the eventual line that we're going down. Anything from OG? Uh, no, I, I'm familiar with this guy, but, you know, I don't know how much of this stuff I believe. I know he, I think he's written two books, um, but <clears throat> yeah, I, <clears throat> I think that all of the, uh, the stuff that's been going on goes way further back than uh, the communists, you know, getting involved. Oh, I'd agree. I'd agree 100%. But um, the fact is that he's telling us how it's all unfolding before it's sort of initially un basically unfolding. And what he's saying is exactly what's happening right now. Um, you know, whether his backstory is correct or not, regardless, <laughs> the fact is he's stating, I mean, you know, these puppets might be just, they're just giving us the script, which is also partly our compliance, because if we've been warned and we go along with it, we keep turning the televisions on. Well, mm -hmm. I don't. But, um, you know, their tools were pamphlets being, you know, let out of planes in the old days, radio, um, mainstream media and, and social media now. So they're just creating the tools and using them. And we're going along with it. I really think there is something to this, like, um, this idea of, like, almost a spiritual compact or contract of, like, they almost can't do it until they've said it and gotten like the the um maybe we call it passive consent right i agree 100 percent. what do you and recommend I, yeah Sorry. i was just gonna say I, I i think voting is very similar that's not so passive that's a little bit more active but and the, we, we we've talked about this in the past but like the simple act of voting whether or not your candidate or candidates uh you know win you've you've kind of signed the contract that you you now consent to whoever does win by participating yeah yeah i think uh i think that that consenting thing came from um from the kabbalah i'll have to chase up on that but it it is mm -hmm. something that that's kind of ancient so um, and seeing as, you know, uh, all of the people seem to be tied into the occult to some degree, it doesn't surprise me. Hmm. All right. If there aren't any other thoughts, I will play on. I just, I just feel that it's a given that this is spiritual. So please hmm. forgive me if I'm a little bit too much on that side. No, no. Um, that's quite all right. Actually, one thought I'll share before I play on, I, you know, I've, I've at times kind of, you know, tried to cast blame on like what we might call the boomers, right? Like, oh, you boomers, you just let us, you let all this happen. You let us get to this point. Truth is like this has been going on for a long time. It doesn't just fall on one generation. If anything, you can't really blame the generation. They've in, well, you can They've they've been indoctrinated and they still don't know it. Like it's almost the whole like fourth turning type thing where 
yeah so they, they they've kind of brainwashed three four generations and it's up to the the last one to change the worldview back around and i don't know you know it's like in the in the car with my folks today i was kind of cornered and whatever we got talking about stuff and i got all worked up talking about how i just don't see any evidence that those damn jabs did any damn good right and and my mom god bless her she's just so sweet like to a fault and she's like well no like they helped people you know like they kept people from getting really really sick and i'm like yeah maybe but like they told us they'd keep people from getting sick at all and that didn't happen and they you know blah 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 i'm like it started out 99% effective and it was comical to watch you know 89 79 69 59 49% it's like come on like don't you see what's happening but she's so indoctrinated into trusting the experts that she refuses to see what's right in front of her you know all of us out here called it while it was while it was going on but right i i'm thinking now that maybe we shouldn't have so you know because mm-hmm. they were they were kind of uh uh you know what they what they call pre-bunking where they take something and and tell you how we're going to how what we're going to say about it before it happens yeah so yeah. i i think that maybe maybe if they had come to that conclusion on their own because it was pretty obvious that you know especially whenever you watch these montages of uh peter hotez talking about how many shots a person's gonna have to take and then add on to that some pill that uh that merc decided to get in on the action and make a pill so uh yeah all all the things that were happening we were calling them in real time because we were listening to the right people and uh and they weren't they were watching the news and also that generation were just naturally trusting. They, had, they, they hadn't learned that the establishment is not there for them. They were still going to war fighting because they thought it was the national, you know, pride thing to do to protect your loved ones because of this is propaganda again. Protect your future, protect your children, protect your families, blah, blah, blah. So they all go to war and, you know, very proud and get shot. Um, so that generation was very trusting. I was only having this conversation with my mother recently. She said exactly that. We didn't think to question people back then. We just didn't think about it. We weren't aware. So that's something that we have. And, you know, what you said about whether we should have said anything or not, I sort of just had this vision of um, seeing a whole bunch of like a crowd of toddlers making their way towards the end of a cliff and just going, oh, well, I guess I'll figure it out once a couple of them fall off, you know. I mean, I couldn't do it. You, mm. you have to stand there and go, stop, please yeah, don't, you yeah. know. Here's why. And children will look at you and keep walking and fall off the edge. And that's what's happened. Mm. Well, there's one thing, you know, it's like you, you're teaching a kid about fire, for instance. Uh, one effective way is to let the kid get burnt and realize that fire is hot and then they'll always stay away from fire. But then the other way is to, you know, you know, helicopter mom, the kid away from the fire every single time. So uh, I, I think the, it works on some people, you know, if you're, if you lecture them and tell them, but in a way they have to find out for themselves. 
Uh, but, you know, in this case, getting burnt meant, you know, meant a lot of bad stuff. And we still haven't seen the full repercussions of that. But, you know, it looks like uh, it looks like it's going to keep keep going until the next thing. Oh, don't worry. It's just mild myocarditis. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Like a athlete's son is, you know, it just has mild myo. Is it myo or pericarditis that this one Both. had? Um, well, oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I didn't know if you meant um, that guy specifically. I thought you meant. Just oh, I was the, talking the about Bronny James, but right. uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but I I don't know if they've even determined what actually happened to him. But I mean, all of us out here, we know what happened to him. <laughs> Did he actually die? Or no, no, he no. he's alive. Um, they claim he'll go back to playing. He probably got some poor you know, Malaysian kid's heart. <laughs> well, <that's> <laughs> trouble. <laughs> trouble is that, you know, letting a child burn themselves, I agree with that. I mean, you, you sort of have to. and um, I mean, It generally just happens. You don't let it happen. But um, the trouble is, I mean, that heals. But this is sort of, apart from a few sketchy protocols that are floating around that may or may not work, this is irreversible. So um, mm. what do you do? <laughs> That's one thing I remember when the shots first started coming out was, you know, people kind of, I guess you'd say in the know who were following things are like, eventually they're going to have to have a vaccine to reverse this vaccine. Well, I mean, that's their, (laughs) their whole game plan. That's what they wanted. And that's why whenever they have their 15 minute cities, you're not going to be allowed to go anywhere near them because you will make them sick because they will be on so many things to counteract the things that they have already put into themselves that your healthy immune system will make them sick just from being around it. It's insane how much they pump into little babies. I mean, that's, I can't believe, I was going to say, I can't believe that we're letting that happen. But, you know, I think back to my birth and I'm not going to give you a horrible birth story, but straight afterwards, um, it was like a baby whisked off shoving something into baby foot, um, making blood drip out to go onto a card, which is, you know, for DNA, basically, I suppose, uh, shoving vitamin K in. And there's, there's even questions about that now because, you know, they say vitamin K, it helps with something or other, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I just, my instinct, my gut was churning. My instinct was to mm-hmm. grab my baby back and run. But yeah, um, yeah, for some yeah. bloody reason, I didn't. Um, but it was not, it was not like, now, can we take the baby Uh, you seem to have cut out on us, Stella, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah, Stella, you, you, you've you gone silent on us. Um, you know, what you were saying, though, makes me want to bring up, and this would be interesting because I know we have, you know, people of, of faith here. Circumcision. How do you all feel about that as far as what's done to babies, in particular baby boys? So they get a drugged up mom and they put a clipboard in front of them. And then they say, we're going to do this procedure. It's beneficial for the child. Um, and you know, what the hell? Of course, they're going to sign off on that. And then the religious aspect of it, it's, it's not done religious in a religious way. So uh, and the book of Acts clearly points out that Christians don't need to be circumcised. And most of us don't want to be. But, you know, of mm. course, they, they're making a lot of money off of that foreskin. So 
and they're also collecting information. You know, they're collecting uh, blood samples, tissue samples, et cetera, um, probably using them for like stem cells and all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Um, yeah, this, it, it, it's of course set up this way. And then also there's, you know, uh, part of, part of uh, Jewish conquering is to collect the foreskins of their enemies. And so, hmm, I wonder what's going on here, you know, kind of feels that way. It's interesting. I don't know enough about it to really comment on what you just said, but I I was always taught that that circumcision was kind of a two-pronged no, you know, no pun intended, but two-pronged like thing. It's good for hygiene and it's sort of like religious tradition for Jews and and Christians. That's what that's the line of BS that was given to us. Um, but to me, when you take the 30,000 foot view, it's really obvious that all you're doing is genital mutilation, right? And it's, it's one more trauma for a baby fresh out of the mother's womb who like Stella was saying really should be nestled in the bosom of their mother as nature intended, but instead they're whisked away. They're jabbed up and they're circumcised and permanent removal of, of nerve endings that doesn't happen to somebody who does it rit ritualistically because it, it's done in a different way but i know that og had something to uh to add on to that oh i just want the extra length back man <laughs> i'm sorry to hear that brother and just a, a little bit of cleaning is really not not too much for somebody. Uh, I yeah, mean, what, yeah. what women have to go through. I mean, it, we just, you know, we have no issues at all if we're cut. So, you know, but if we had just like one little tiny thing to do, it's, it's still not that much. Yeah. Literally so, like, yeah. don't be lazy. Just clean your little baby's dick. Yeah. Clean it, clean under the foreskin, you know, big deal. You're already wiping its ass. What's, what's the difference? Yeah, it's it's messed up that that this is all done without permission. But uh, in, in this time of you know where we're going to stop child mutilation, as far as you know, hopefully we can muster enough strength to stop the child mutilation as far as the transing of kids. Then maybe we can stop the child mutilation of circumcision all, along the lines of that as well. You know, if uh, if legislation comes out, it it would probably count under that. Yeah, uh, it seems to me like, you know, pretty much cut and dry. No, again, no pun intended, but like, it's obviously mutilation, man. Like, it's it's claiming that we know better than our biology. And uh, I remember thinking it was funny, like funny, but not funny. And actually quite like affirming last year at Childerberg, my first Childerberg, um, basically having that moment of like, that conversation got brought up and there were probably 10 or 12 dudes in this circle, you know, probably nine or 10 of which are circumcised as, as we Americans tend to be. And every one of these guys to the T was 
kind of pissed that they had been circumcised. And it's not something people talk about, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, disclosure. Yeah. My, my mom allowed them to, uh, to cut me and I'm not happy about it. I've, I've talked to her about it and she doesn't even remember signing off on it, but she knows that, like I said, they just stuff a clipboard in your face whenever everything's going on. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's a crazy moment and they wait until that vulnerable moment in order to, uh, to predate on the mother. But it's, you know, it's, it's, that's another thing. If it is ritualistic, uh, ritualistic things are done with, you know, it, it's consent of the person that, that's, you know, taking part in it. You know, um, I, I was not, you know, making an Abrahamic vow whenever, you know, they, they just decided to uh, surgically mess with me. You know, I was not doing that. And it's pretty, it's pretty screwed up that they, that they do that and that this is a, a real practice and has continued on this long. You know, I'm curious if it's as common in Australia, it's too bad we lost Stella Q. Um, but they are in the chat. I'm going to ask Drew and Stella are two resident Aussies. We'll see if they respond. Is, yeah, circum is circumcision common in Australia? I think if, you know, we had a choice in the matter, uh, it would be different, but, you know, it just seems like parents are just kind of abdicating some more responsibility. Like, oh, yeah, we'll just take this off and we won't have to clean you as well. It's a trust the science thing. Trust the experts 100%. They were sold on the idea that like, oh, if you don't do this, you're, you know, your kid's going to get some bacterial infection or some bullshit, man. It's like, what do you think people did for the last you know, 500,000 years, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't know. You know, again, I almost feel bad. Like I'm not trying to be too awful personal here, but like, you know, my mom's a nurse and she was a pediatric nurse for a very, very long time, which means she administered many, many, many vaccines. And I think it's why she is so hesitant to accept that there might have been something off. You know? Yeah, uh, people are... Um, well, we talked about the Mark Twain thing, right? Where it's uh, convincing people that they have been fooled is, is harder than fooling someone. Yeah, right. And, yeah, uh, people just double down whenever they, they've done something horrific. They don't want to know that they've done something horrific, so... Uh, so they'll d double down to defend it. And that's what's happening a ton with this, uh, with the vaccines. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm like verging on being borderline too personal, but I don't really give a fuck at the moment. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like I said earlier, I was the black sheep of the family. I was the only one not to take the jab. And I was barred from seeing a couple of people because of that. And, and, my mom wants nothing more than for us to all just move forward and forget about it. And I made the argument to her today. I'm like, look, that's just not possible. Like not if I'm going to maintain my self-respect, basically like I'm never going to forget what was done. And, and you might think I'm being an asshole for, for kind of 
trying to address it and try to work through it as opposed to just moving past it. Um, it, you know, I'm not sure I I'm getting my point across here exactly, except to say, um, I, I don't see a way to make peace without like firm resolution about how things went down with all this shit. And that doesn't happen if we just pretend it didn't happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like with what corporations wanted to do, it's like, you know, did you guys just forget that you were going to throw away like 40% of your workforce? You know, we're just going to like move on and pretend that nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about doubling down, you know, like at a certain point you have to admit you're wrong. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all the evidence, right. The, the graphene, uh, you know, that's kind of becoming mainstream and all the issues relating to the shots. Like, I don't know. Did you see the DOD report where they've had like a 500% increase in myocarditis? Yeah. The military you're talking about, right? They had that report. Yep. Yep. I mean, at what point do you just have to say, all right, guys, we fucked up. You know, we're, uh, we're not going to do this again. If we have anything like this come up, we're going to have some controls in place. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll like wrap up the thing with my personal experience by just saying like, I almost have sympathy. You know, I almost feel bad for like my folks because, because they have a son that like, won't let them get away with their cognitive dissonance. You know, I'm like, I, I just refuse to allow it to, to just be left unchecked. And I feel bad for them because really all they want to do is retire and enjoy the last 20 or 30 years of their existence and not deal with all of this uh, cognitive dissonance. What do we call it? Um, Epistemological shock or whatever. Ontological shock. That's ontological. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They just they would rather not have to confront it. And me as the asshole I am, I'm forcing them to. So I'm trying to be gentle about it and do it just a little at a time. But, you know, luckily, luckily I have cool parents and they tolerate my truth to a certain degree, even if they refuse to accept it, <laughs> you know. Thank goodness for the love of a family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I'm just trying to come at it like from a good, good faith position and not be too big a dickhead. But like I said, at the same time, for my own self-respect, you got to be like, look, no, like I wasn't allowed to come to Thanksgiving. I'm not going to forget about that. You know, like, come on. You know, I have relatives that still won't let me see them. And then they'll go to a fucking George Strait concert. Like, what kind of fucked up logic is that? Yeah, that's pretty. Everyone there is vexed. (laughs) You might be right there, Ando. Yeah. That's. I kind of thought most places gave up on checking those cards, but I don't know that for sure. I was just going to say how sad it is that how the uh, country group of people just went along with this stuff too. You know, like you would think that they would be more on our side, but it's not as many as, as you'd think they just, you know, it's some, some kind of, uh, some kind of just go along with the state, no matter what the state's doing every single time. And that they have a real issue with that. They have a lot to lose and therefore they don't want to lose it. Well, they're going to lose it all. 
Um, I, I thought it was interesting the the uh, uh, try that in a small town, and this kind of transitions yeah. pretty well into your next topic. Uh, that it, how they just freaked out about it, and like like he was just you know that he was just calling for for the death of a race of people or something like that. He he was saying, hey, if you uh, go and mess up in a small town you're going to have some consequences. And and this is how much they freaked about consequences. The song's still number one. I thought it was pretty tame. And and it also, the the lyrics are, you know, did AI write them? You know, because they're, they're nothing special. I could have wrote that in yeah, like five yeah. minutes. No, I was kind of underwhelmed with the song myself, you know. That's a really good point, Endo. I haven't thought, thought about that, how much AI is contributing to the lyrics of music, etc. I mean, I think back to, I don't know if you guys are um, familiar with Stock Aitken Waterman. Back in the 80s, they basically wrote a whole lot of hits for people like Kylie Minogue. They were like, it's when things got really like sickly poppy. Um, but they found a formula and I don't think they're the first. I'm pretty sure Burt Bacharach might have had something to do with that. But um, there was a formula that they found possibly created by computers, who knows. Um, and so it was like a hit, a hit machine, basically. So everything that we put out kind of using this formula, guaranteed to make money. It seems to go into the psyche well. So, um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Sorry about that, guys. We've got this um, internet outage here. It was only I had to switch to outer mobile connections. I said, no, no problem at all. We're glad you're back, Stella Q. Appreciate your dedication. Uh, so so i think we're going to keep this kgb guy on the back burner and maybe return to it later um but for now we've got this this article slash video about two 7-eleven workers who stopped a would-be robbery in stockton california and they are now being uh investigated for assault so it says on Saturday, Stockton, California police revealed that they are investigating two 7-Eleven store clerks for assault after a video of them beating a would-be uh, robber went viral. So here's the video. And what, what I'm going to say about this up front, the guy got whooped with a stick, but it wasn't like a I don't know. I guess I don't really know what kind of stick it was. It looked like a piece of bamboo or something, though. And I'm just like, if nothing broke, this guy got exactly what he deserved. I mean, the the crazy he got what he deserved if it did break. And yeah, I, I think it was a, I think it was a mop stick. Um, that's a what mop, it looked like. A mop, me. yeah, mop handle. That makes sense. Yeah. So it says here um, in a post on Facebook, the Stockton Police Department said it was unable to combine the investigations of the suspected robbers and the suspected assault because of the diligence of a witness recording um, the event that took place July 29th. So in other words, these are two separate incidences, according to the Stockton Police Department. There is a robbery investigation and an assault investigation and ne'er shall the two cross paths. They are not related. They are completely separate. That to me is kind of weird. 
but here's the video. You see the mass exodus of businesses. Now these are huge retailers being absolutely ransacked daily by thieves, open air drug use, homeless vagrants attacking the people working at these businesses who have had to pull out. And you have Elon Musk who has been a critical voice in. Okay, I think this is not the correct video. <laughs> Apologies. Um, it's on here somewhere. Um, this is it here. So first of all, this guy's just taking like every pack of cigarettes behind the counter. He went the straight for the menthols, if you noticed. <laughs> yeah. Well, so would I. They're trying to ban them, you know. Yeah, they are banned in California. He's lucky he found a store that still had them. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I was on a bus the other day, and a guy was complaining that they didn't have any menthols at the store. That's interesting because somebody else in the Discord group um, who swears that, well, a lot of people do swear that nicotine does help with the coof, um, said that particularly menthol ones. So. Mm -hmm. Well, mint is medicinal. What's the most active ingredient in mint? Menthol. I mean, come on. They they take away our, our cures and sell us theirs. Yeah. Now this is not medical advice, but I'll let it I'll let it I'll let it stand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the rest of the video. Okay, okay. All right, so I'm gonna pause there. This guy keeps intimating as if he has a gun. And what's really interesting, the video, or I'm sorry, the article. Uh, talks about how this is the third robbery by this same individual at this same store within 24 hours. And he keeps pretending like he has a gun. And finally, these two guys are just like, nah, dude, we don't buy it. <laughs> Literally filling up a garbage can with cigarettes. Oh my God. Hey, let me get a swish with that. Can I get a strip? Hey, hey, can I get a, a swish? All right, so I don't know who this fucker is recording, but he's like playing. He's like playing along. Like, I almost think he might be a partner here. And again, this guy's pretending like he's got a gun. Says, I'm going to pull my strap on you. That's ghetto speak for gun strap. So. Can I get a strip? Hey, hey, can I get a, can I get a swish? Let me get a swish. I'll pull a gun on you, punk ass nigga. He just pulled something out of his. He just pulled he something did, out of he his did. pocket. I saw was that, it a knife or something? I saw that too, Stella. He pulled something out. Might like a be knife, a knife. Maybe. Might be a yeah. knife. He looks more, lo more like a knifey kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's pretending like it's a gun, but I bet you he does have a knife. Like, you know, he's uh, he's got to have something. Yeah, he wouldn't do it with nothing. Right. Can I get a strip? Hey, can I get a swish? Let me get a swish. Yeah, there it was. You see that? Mm, definitely was. Could have been a stick. Who knows? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't look all that intimidating. Whatever it is, yeah. I don't know. A bit of pipe or something. Yeah, just something so that it's just, psychological. It's a stick. It? It's a stick. Does look like a stick. 
So this guy recording the video saying, just just let him do it. You can't do nothing till the cops come. Just listen to this. There's nothing you can do. But it's nothing you can do. It's like they're not gonna do nothing. You just have to just claim you have insurance. You have insurance? Does he have a sense? Yeah, he got a sense. No, this is, it, it hurts me. Taking every goddamn pack of cigarettes he can. God damn. Ain't nothing you can do, man. Ain't nothing you can do, man. Tell you call police. Ain't nothing you can do, man. Tell police. Third time in one day. Same guy. Hey, hey, no, you, hey, don't. Hey. Ain't nothing you can do, man. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> I got a. That's a good still right here. <laughs> so if you listen to whatever he's he's on the ground and he's face down getting beat, yeah. you can hear the plastic shatter in his back pocket. He had mm. probably a, a plastic squirt gun or something. Yeah, you can yeah, hear it yeah. shatter. Dude looks like he's about to start chopping wood. Mm-hmm. So I think he might be. I think very ninja. I think you might be right about like the mop handle. Like it does, it's about the right length. Um, what I thought was kind of funny was right here. As soon as, as soon as, so one of the store clerks grabs him, the other guy comes at him with the stick and he immediately flops like a damn professional soccer player, right? Like, watch this. He goes, no, no, no. Ah, yeah, here, check it out. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Okay, so actually, he did get whacked. <laughs> he got yeah. whacked once, and that's when he drops. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> I mean, it keeps, it keeps going. He is whacking the shit out. Oh wait, there it is. So Ando said it. Sorry, here we'll 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 mute. But Ando said it. You see something shatter, right about here. There it is. You see that? Ando's right. There is like a like something plastic fell out of his pocket and it got broken into a bunch of pieces. It probably was a squirt gun, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. decent theory. It is. Or a piece of yeah, poly pipe or something like that. It's just that's all you need. Yeah. It, it it could be a pistol. There's a lot of them are uh very plasticky. So might have been a three D printed one, maybe. Could be, could be, but the way he was, again, this article, like, um, it says this was the third robbery by the same suspect, and every time he he kind of insinuated that he had a gun, but he never brandished. So this guy was just full of shit, and uh, figured he'd get away with it, which you know he did a couple times. The third time, 
you know, that's the thing. You got to be a real cocky son of a bitch to rent, to rob the same place three times in one day. Yeah. You cannot blame anybody for trying to defend. And, uh, I probably the even more disturbing thing that I find about this clip is the guy that was filming mm-hmm. was asking the shopkeeper, do you have insurance? Do you have insurance? It's like, See, insurance I almost think he com- might've, he might've been a like, part of it. He might've been a, an accomplice. It might have been too, like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but well, it's, it, just the fact that insurance is apparently negates principles, that's very disturbing right. because insurance companies right. run the bloody world just like the bankers do. I mean, it's the same, yeah. same dudes. So that's very he, goes, he goes from, can I get a swisher while the guy's robbing the, the place blind, right? He mm-hmm. goes from that, mm-hmm. basically making himself an accomplice if he does get rewarded with a swisher. For not doing anything about it, um, but then he goes to uh, to you're getting your ass whooped at the end. It's pretty funny how how uh, lightly loyal these people in the hood are. No shit. Yeah, he's a fair weather fan. He's he's going with the winner. Who's the winner? Well, and, you know, again, at first he's like, nothing you can do, bro. Nothing you can do. Just call <laughs> the cops. Like, call your insurance company. Yeah. Like, whose side are you on, bro? You know, so it, this this article is pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it says police said that the man is suspected of committing two other robberies at the same 7-Eleven location within 24 hours of the recorded incident. In the first in- incident, they said on July 28th uh, at 3.41 a.m., an employee of 7-Eleven reported a suspect entering the business went behind the counter and threatened to shoot the victim if he intervened. The suspend, suspect then took several packs of cigarettes and other items uh, and placed them in a large garbage bag before three, fleeing. Excuse me. Around 12.27 a.m. the next day. So we're talking about 20 hours later. Uh the employee reported the same suspect from the previous incident entering the business and demanding money while simulating that he had a handgun. The employee did not comply. Therefore, the suspect grabbed several food items, placed them in a garbage bag before fleeing. Um, so then he comes back a third time. He's got an MO. There's always a garbage bag. Okay. And he's constantly pretending to have a gun. Again, like I think this guy might just be kind of semi-retarded because uh, you really think these guys are going to put up with it three times in 24 hours. And it blows my mind that there is an investigation into a quote-unquote assault. It's like, what the fuck, man? You're literally just supposed to stand there and do nothing. Well, I, I guess a- they must have. They must have for the first two times because that's why he's come back a third time. He just said, well, right. it's easy pickings. Why not? Right, right. They're not doing anything about it. They're probably relying on their insurance companies. Yeah. So we, we kind of referred to this in a previous forum where it's like people are kind of getting to the end of their rope. They are simply not going to tolerate this for much longer. And it's a, it's a dangerous kind of powder keg type situation. I think that's what they've been waiting for. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is this is why they introduced the anarcho tyranny. You know, they they mm-hmm. set these situations up, and uh, I don't know if y'all have been following what's going on in South Africa, but 
Um, but yeah, it's like they're the president's opening uh, openly calling for the murder of people. You know, he's he's chanting "kill the boar." It's pretty pretty bad. We got some crazy shit going on in New York City too, over some apparent uh, free PS5s. You know, that's all you need to start a riot. Promise people free PlayStations. Check this shit out. Yeah, free stuff. Wouldn't have happened if it was an Xbox. <laughs> huh. So I don't know if there's any sound uh, to this video, actually. But this is, I mean, it's a pretty massive riot. Wow. This is New York, like, now-ish? This was in the last few days. It was Friday. Uh, this is in Union Park. Uh, actually, if you get on Twitter and look up some clips, there's actually a one where they slam a guy's head through, the New York police slam a guy's head through the back of a car windshield. Yeah, looks what, color, what, color was, what color was that guy, by, just by curiosity? Uh, I'm going to let you figure that one out. Okay. <laughs> Probably a good thing. <laughs> this looks like an escape just, from New York. This riot looks mostly peaceful. I don't see any uh, grandmas walking around looking at the Constitution or anything like that. So, you know. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time with Twitter on my computer, but if anybody finds one of those clips, uh, feel free to send it to me. I saw one where people are just jumping up and down on a car, you know, trying to break the windows. There was a this... cop that got stabbed, and then his gun was also taken. Jesus Christ! So, I mean, this looks like I don't know, at least a, f- I don't know, a few hundred, maybe five hundred people, and this all so... got started because some Twitch streamer promised free playstations now again i'm guessing that the twitch streamer his name is kai sanat or uh, yeah i guess that's how you say it um i don't know i don't know what he streams but i'd be curious to find out here there's that many people that listen to his twitch stream in that area apparently i mean again this is kind of a Kind of a weird if, thing. If we announce free PlayStations, that we'd probably get like three people if we were lucky. <laughs> we could mm. probably afford all the PlayStations. <laughs> right. Probably would get a couple of grandmothers. <laughs> oh, then that's a real riot. That's that's <laughs> an insurrection. So apparently Dangerous. he's being... I'm seeing here, uh, you know, this is unconfirmed, but it says he's actually being charged with inciting a riot. A riot, excuse me. 64 people arrested. OG sent me a couple of uh, clips here, looks like. Hang on just a second. Well, perhaps this is sort of being used like an example. I don't know. Not sure. Well, it's just one more example of people like kind of just being so hot to trot and like ready to fuck shit up. And, um, and people aren't going to tolerate it. Like, can you really blame anybody if they're in this like vicinity when this riot kicks off, you know, say this taxi driver and everybody's coming at you, trying to bust your shit up and break into your car and you instinctively react in self-defense and run people over. Who's going to go to jail? You, you know, I mean, that seems to be the, the, the pattern. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, they really did smash <gasps> his face into that glass. Now, are we sure? Are we sure this is from New York? Because this almost looks like. Yeah, those cops do not look like you got New York cops, do they? Well, it's hard to say. They do have guns on them. Um, I was gonna say it almost feels like Europe, but none of the cops have guns in Europe. I don't think. Right. That is a that's a pistol. So they allegedly deployed like a thousand officers to. Wow. Wow. Everything being under construction does look like New York. So mm-hmm, I'm going to say this is New York. True. And where else has taxis? Let's just be honest. Big yellow taxis. Uh, the bus station. So this guy does have 4.02 million subscribers on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, he's got some followers, man. Should we see what his whole vibe is? Maybe that would be... Yeah, for sure. Dude, we should just play video games instead of tell people (laughs) about the New World Order, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe if we played video games while telling people about the New World Order, maybe that's how you do it. Well, then you'd probably be getting influenced by guys like this into going out and doing dumb shit for PlayStations. So, here. They're saying there was 5,000 people involved in the riot. Wow. Wow. All right, let's see what this guy's all about. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, konnichiwa. We are in freaking Japan, bro. First of all, first of all, I'm not going to lie, bro. The UK, you're down bad. I've been to two countries that's out of, the, out of the U.S. And already, bro, I haven't even done nothing either. Japan is blowing out the world. I said it. I said it, bro. I ain't going to lie, bro. I went to some random alleyway and went to some random game station. And it's the best game thing that I've ever seen in my life. This is... T- Okay, I can't even tolerate this. I mean, was this I don't the guy know. that got assaulted uh, in Japan? Did he? For like saying Hiroshima and Nagasaki? I don't know. Is that the same oh, is guy? Is this the same guy? I think it is. Whoa. Mm. Oh, we lost a mic. Oh, no. Wow. So, how are we going to get that clip now? Um, yeah. Hey, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they handled that guy pretty good in Japan. Is it for real the same guy? I'm trying to look that up right now. Yeah, let's try to confirm that because it could just be another black guy in Japan. But, you know, I hate to, you know, I just don't have like the patience to try to be any more tactful than this. But I saw something today that kind of rang true. And it's definitely like slightly overgeneralizing, but there's truth to it where it basically said there's like two types of black dudes. There's like respectable sort of well put together, you know, hardworking type black dudes. And then there's the little Wayne's and the two chains and the fill in the blank, you know, with, fucking thuggish thug thug and yeah god it's i mean i don't want to i don't want to i'm not trying to i'm not trying to sound any which way here i'm just saying like when don't want to take your words away well they're doing it aren't they this (laughs) this is not a respectable individual (laughs) man this is not a respectable human being can I um, intervene here? I was just putting sure. that name, Kai Sinet, 
yeah. just for fun because I like doing these things. I put it into the anagram thing and mm. basically it's taken me to a word, kachina. Um, and I'll just read out the um, definition. A carved doll wearing the costume of a particular Pueblo spirit. I don't know what that is, sorry. Um, usually presented to a child as a gift. Um, a, def- a, def- a deified spirit of the Pueblo people. Right, okay. Um, a masked oh, dan- Pueblo. A mas- I'll just, this last one. A masked dancer during a Pueblo religious ceremony who is thought to embody some particular spirit. And I'm thinking, I've right, so word. it's a, a gift given to a child. I'm thinking, well, the PlayStation was sort of offered. I don't know. Maybe it's a loose connection. Mm. Hmm. seen that on billboards in New Mexico, um, where I think the Pueblo, that's that's where they're situated. But it's on the uh, billboards for, uh, for like, places that sell Indian jewelry and uh, moccasins and things like that. So I'm assuming that's the little dolls that they sell in, in those particular truck stops. Yeah. So these are not the same guy. And Johnny Somali was the one I was thinking of. I don't know. I just kind of want to watch like another minute or two of this. I hate to say it. Like, this is like a sick kind of curiosity. Days before, I literally met one of the craziest supporters of all time, Ray. As I know Ray, here's a clip of Ray. <laughs> my boy! I love you, man. <laughs> well, if you was in that stream, bro, you could just tell that Ray had the best energy. He was going crazy. And I was like, yo, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I have to make a rate again. Like, I have to. I have to. So today, I got playing a nice two-man, my boy right here, right? We got a nice two-man playing up with my boy Ray. And then after, yeah, we're just gonna go eat, bowling, do what we do. And, oh, oh we're gonna first, we gotta drip Ray out. So we're gonna go to the vape store, get Ray a fire fit and stuff like that. You know, we are in Japan. You feel- okay, I'm gonna draw a connection here to the NPC TikTok performers we covered recently. The way this guy talks, you know, know what I'm saying? This and that, blah, 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 da, 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 blah, 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 You know, it's like, it's very, like, pre-programmed. Like, half of what he says is a filler of some kind. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? I mean. Gang, gang. Yeah, I don't know. It just sounds like a street talker to me. Gang, gang, you know, lollipop, ice cream cone, lick, lick. I mean, that's, let's just, I'm going to play it one more time. What we do? And, oh, oh we're going to first... We got to drip Ray out. So we're going to go to the vape store, get Ray a fire fit and stuff like that. You know, we are in Japan. You feel what I'm saying? Like, we're going to go to the vape store, drip him out, and then we're going to go. I'm not going to lie. Hey. What's good? <laughs> What's up? Boy, what's up? You ready to go shopping? Let's go. Let's go, my boy. Come on. What you was doing today? Nothing. Just chilling. Just chilling? Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, apparently this guy's got hella fans. I don't, I don't understand the appeal, like, at all. Neither do I, but different generation. Apparently, he's got enough pull to incite riots, so that's good. Well, maybe not. I mean, those those numbers, if he's a puppet, those numbers are all quite fakeable. True, true. I mean, it could be presented that this, you know, this guy could be whatever, working for them, MK or whatever. Um, and that just the fact that there's apparently four point whatever it is million followers will entice other non-thinking people to oh he must be good then and follow because that's who other everyone else follows so I don't know creating influence possibly should we see the aftermath here I've got another clip provided by OG um, showing looks like the uh, yeah, 
the damage caused. So check this out. I guess I'll mute it. There's not any talking here, but yeah. So it was right at Union Square in New York. I mean, this doesn't look too dramatic. It was like a lot of cars that got smashed up and shit, though. I don't know, man. Again, like I, this is not anything new. We've been seeing this for the last few years. Um, people are just ready to smash shit up, and I, you know, just to say it like it is, it kind of seems like the black community in particular that are just ready to fuck shit up. So, Mike, can I ask you? Like, you yeah. went to the uh, protest back yeah. in 2020, right? How yeah. would you say the energy has changed since then? Um, I can't say. I mean, I guess what I experienced is that these kind of events are very um, contagious and like, you know, I, I was down there like recording videos and, you know, observing, but even I like as an outside kind of ob observant or observer, I was intoxicated by the whole thing. It's like a drug. It's, it's, it's the the drug of group think that's all I can say about it. And like, I think everybody's susceptible to it, especially if you're not like prepared, you know, that was, I, I can admit I had some ignorance going into that summer where um, I've learned a lot since then. But part of the reason I was down there is because I needed to understand like what was going on and why. And, um, until you've been inside of a riot, you cannot really understand riot mentality because it is a contagion. You've lost your innocence in a way. Yeah. Well, pretty much realized like, oh, like I really shouldn't have been there. Like, why was I there? You know, like I was there because I, I was hooked on the drug of of the energy of the crowd right and i was curious it's like my own sick curiosity so be it. i don't i don't think these people are communists you know they they just are susceptible to communist agitation mm -hmm. and they have absolutely no respect for another person's property or mm -hmm. how they obtained it everything to them is ill-gotten gains philosophically um because they've been preached to by these communists but they that's that's why you know they're destroying random passerby's vehicles and that it's so messed up you know it's like you're just driving along one day and then you know a bunch of idiot teenagers are, are smashing your vehicle because some moron on twitch decided to tell everybody that they could get something for free that wasn't really going to happen like he set up a prank yeah. so messed I up gonna, yeah i was gonna say did anybody get a PlayStation? Like, did they start rioting because they're like, where's my PlayStation? Like, is it that pathetic? That's a really good point. I would say yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, again, like, I guess it's just maybe the danger of getting a big crowd of people in one place where there's no, like, clear mission or purpose or what have you, right? Like, Maybe it's that like innate need for religious connection that if you have nothing else, 
the promise of a free PlayStation from the almighty Kai is enough to bring you into a congregation of people where your form of worship is to bust shit up. Like that's kind of what it seems like. Am I, am I making sense? Yeah. I think there's um, a certain amount of unity that people yearn for, whether they want to profess that they're individuals and everything. They don't, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, you know, bikey gangs, um, whatever sports teams, even it's just yeah. this sense of belonging, this tribalness that we are lacking, this community that we are lacking because we've all been, you know, torn apart and, made individuals uh, in a ge- ge- geographical sense. I mean, they say it, it takes a community to raise a child, but we're all sort of on our own now. So well, something's the, lacking. The, it, takes a, it takes a town or it takes a community. That by itself is communist, you know, indoctrination propaganda. Uh, no, it takes parents to raise a child. It doesn't yeah, take the, a community. Like, in the old days, like a, well, I should have said a, a village. Um, yeah, so, right. That's how they say it. It takes yeah. a village. Um, but part, I've I've just heard people express that sentiment where it's like, yeah, well, if you claim that it takes a village, number one, it sort of takes the responsibility off the parents. Number two, it implies collective ownership of of the children of the of the village, right? And I, you know, this this stuff with like riots and people mobbing out. Um, I'm glad I'm glad that I put myself in the middle of it, and I kind of think. I can relate to it in a, in a weird way now. Um, but it is a matter of like giving up oneself to the, the body that, you know, what is, what is a church? It is the body. Mm-hmm. You know, you're giving up your, your individuality to a collective. And you think about the power of like communal worship, whether it be through singing or chanting or marching or, you know, there's a million different forms of this, but when you get into, you know, what you might call lockstep with hundreds, if not thousands of other people, it's very like soothing in a way to where you don't have to make your own decisions anymore. It's like being a fish in the school, right? Like, yeah, it's no wonder they, they call them schools instead of like, you know, <laughs> yeah education centers it's like no you swim with the fishes stick to the pack and um and it's it's a relief you, you are absolved of any responsibility as long as you stay within the collective yeah and i, I appreciate you pointing that out because that is that is a different way to look at it um but when i say when i in my view when i hear it takes a village to raise a child i immediately go back to like primitive times not yeah, modern yeah. times. So where, I mean, um, you've got your parents and everything, but there's so many elders that um, right. bring wisdom and experience and teach the children things that parents may not even know. So in that sense, that's what I'm saying. It's like we, we have sure. been sure. torn apart. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is probably a commo. Well, I mean, you know, they bastardize everything, don't they? So mm-hmm. they've taken that and bastardized that as well. Well, that's the thing. I think it's, it's part of our... Um instinctual like social behavior to collect and sing and dance and chant. Uh, But it needs to be done for a good purpose, i.e. like worship of God, as opposed to worship of the almighty PlayStation, you know? Um, I don't know. Like self, right? mm -hmm. Yeah. 
self-worship mm-hmm. yeah yep. worshiping the the video game yeah it's enter you know it's nothing more than entertainment um but you know like so i was at the cubs game yesterday right almost a religious gathering it's a bunch of people collecting to worship the cubs yep and to chant in unison and to cheer and to sing and you know like seventh inning stretch i freaking love baseball I, i'll admit it i don't follow it throughout the season i don't keep up with the stats or the players but i love going to a ball game cold beer cracker jacks hot dogs and baseball the and, energy you know, too the energy and and the crowd is a what what you might call like a mega or, organism right yeah. like a it is it is a it's a collective of individuals that that all choose voluntarily to sacrifice some of their individuality and join in the common chant, the common cheer. You know, when when you you hear boos, you're inclined to boo. When you hear screams, you're inclined to scream. And you're not having to decide it. You're just going with it, like like riding a wave. And um, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm being repetitive at this point, but. The, the the same thing that animates a crowd at a baseball game animates a riot. The difference is, I think, at a baseball game, you have sort of a positive mission of sorts. Well, it's unity, isn't it? We're all mm-hmm. um, seeking like-mindedness. I mean, that's how we choose our friends, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to hang with people we agree with or agree with us. We don't hang with you know agitators and people who are opposed to our ideas, we tend to get away from those people. So it's just a human instinct. Um, and as Ando pointed out, you know, playing video games and everything, it's, I mean, it's the ultimate separatism. Everyone thinks that they're joined into something, but I mean, they're just sitting there. Like it, it always blows me away because I know, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of real because we're looking at it and we're participating in it. And I'm talking about stuff online, like games and things, but when you really analyze it, it's, it's just a whole bunch of nothing. It's nothingness. There's nothing really there. You're just playing some program. There's nothing really going on. You're just sitting in a chair pressing buttons. It's weird. It's really weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find it so strange. <laughs> you know, this is someone... what, uh... Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Uh, this is what um, Yul Never... Yul... Yuval Noah Harari wants from us. He says that that's what, that's what we're, we're going to do with the uh, useless eaters is just stick them in front of video games. So, exactly. Uh, it looks like people are fighting to do that themselves. Yeah, which is exactly what has been prophesied, I suppose, or you know, predetermined, is uh, that the people will be asking for this. That was spoken of clearly in the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, the fifties, the nineteen fifties. Um, and I'm trying to remember who said it, but it was said. Yeah. I hate, I hate to even admit it, but like a lot of my old friends. Um, all they want to do is play video games. They live in different cities now. They're getting married and whatever. But every night, this group of like five or six dudes that I used to be very tight with, they play video games online together. And truth is, even back in like college when we were hanging out, um, I almost started to get this sense that we were just holding each other back. You know, we were hanging out, smoking weed, watching television and playing video games every day and it's like none of us are really 
learning anything doing this, right? Like you can only smoke weed and watch television so long before you're, you're just wasting time. And, um, I'm glad that like video games never really caught my interest. They were even when we all graduated and moving to different places, they're like, you got to get an Xbox, you know, so we can hang out. And I never fucking did. I'm like, nah, dude, like I don't play video games, you know? <laughs> Good for you. I was yeah. Was listening to uh Union of the Unwanted, uh I think it was about a month or two ago, but it was the episode that uh Tunes was on and there was a guy talking about parenting and he said that his, the important thing for him with his kids was to teach his kids to get their dopamine hits from work and not from something like some kind of screen yeah so yeah. you know and so now it's like the the video games and the the dopamine hits are getting to people at a much younger age i i was in a mall recently and they had this little stroller thing that you can the kids can drive around they're not actually driving but they have you know the steering wheels and whatnot to make it look like they make them feel like they're driving but that you just put a screen in front of the kid let the kid think they're driving and push them around Wow. Yeah. What's this? Why is the screen so necessary? <laughs> why can't it just be screenless? It would be the same thing. Well, because that would require the parent to be a little bit more present. It's not quite True. as convenient, you know. Convenience. Ugh. Well, it's just Kills. the twenty. It's the twenty-first century pacifier, mm -hmm. right? Like when they outgrow the binky, you give them the iPad. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they're getting them so young. I used to cringe so much when I'd um, see my pregnant uh, friend, um, my, my friend's pregnant kids, who are, you know, obviously older now, um, mm. sitting there on the lounge, you know, very pregnant with their phone sitting on their pregnant belly while they're using mm. it. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I just, it killed me to watch. I couldn't say anything though. I just, well, I actually did. I mean, of course I did, <laughs> but um. It just went down like a lead balloon, you know, oh, you think too much, you know, get that one all the time. Um, so yeah, that was, that was difficult. It's almost like they're being trained from even in utero to, mm -hmm. uh, it's awful. You know, I try to, uh, like with my niece and nephew, I try to give them a hard time if they're playing with a, with a screen. I'm like, Hey, I'm right here. Why don't you play with me? Little little shit bag you know like I'll, i won't say that but i'll like i'll egg them on be like what you just want to play that video game when uncle mike's around like come on we could we could come up with cooler stuff to do than that and they respond like really well to that and um partly i'm not even doing it to give them a hard time i'm doing it to give my sister and brother-in-law a hard time right like if the ipad's in the room and one of the kids is absorbed into it while Uncle Mike's around. That's not going to fly, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to be that influence, right? Yeah, good for you. And yeah. um, you know, take a cricket bat with you next time or something. Cricket bat, cricket, cricket ball, some stumps. You know, I mean, kids love that stuff. I think the kids are just being trained to be kind of. Well, parents as well have been trained. It's like here, have, have that. Here's a babysitter. Stella, then, you know, you know, nobody understands cricket in America. We have no oh. idea what y'all are doing. It's the most. It's like chess. 
sucks, man. It's like, what in the hell? <laughs> well, it took me a while to figure out you were talking about baseball before. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, we talk, we, we play baseball. This is the United <laughs> Goddamn States of America. Oh, mate, I am absolutely not advocating for people to get involved in cricket because, I mean, it's sort of like watching grass grow. It literally is. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not a big cricket fan, even though I have a cricket trophy somewhere on a, on a shelf, but I never knew the rules. <laughs> yeah, I know there's like some sticks and like a whole lot of like nothing happening for a long time. And... Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can't be in a hurry for that game to finish. You could, um, you could, you could say the same for baseball, but it just, yeah, whatever. Different continents, same idea. Stella, do uh, do they have a seventh inning stretch in cricket, like a like an intermission where they have a big show and trainees come out? Well, can't can't cricket go on for <laughs> days and days? Like, yeah, yeah, that's why. Um, I think it was Kerry Packer who used to be this big media module mogul, who's oh no, sorry, Kerry Packer. Um, yeah, James Packer is his son who used to be married to Mariah Kerry. Okay, so he's a really big billionaire, what have you. Um, Kerry Packer in the old days in Australia was a big media mogul. It was Channel 9, I believe, he owned. Sorry if I got that wrong. Could be seven. Um, but anyway, he he was such a cricket fan. And uh, these, cr- these cricket matches that went on for days and days, he brought in like the one-day cricket, I think it was. One-day cricket. Drew, I, I need Drew here. Um, but... Yeah, it sort of revolutionised cricket, so it got a lot more people involved because it was sort of sped it up a little bit, made it faster. Mm-hmm. But um, I just want to also mention, do you remember when they got Fauci to do that pitch in baseball? <laughs> yeah, and he <laughs> and he just noodled it. He just he couldn't even he couldn't even get halfway to the plate. Silly little man. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, they had exactly the same thing. I reckon that's a tactic. Because uh, they had exactly the same thing here with John Howard, who was the Prime Minister at the time when um, um, Port Arthur happened, the shootout, and we got disarmed. That was under his watch. Uh, um, yeah. So anyway, get back to the point. They um, got him to do a cricket pitch, and it was just the same. It was just so lame and so off and just everyone laughing. But, of course, everyone just goes, oh, stick to what you know, mate. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. sort of like, oh, well, stick to your science, Fauci, you know. <laughs> There's been a lot of a lot of politicians with really embarrassing, like, first pitches at, at baseball games. That seems to be a common thread, and it seems like the most evil, like, the more evil, the worse the pitch. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. part of, like, the emasculation thing, like, you know, like. <laughs> the humiliation ritual. Right. Well, yeah, yeah and like, yeah. like the the the, the kind of like beta males that go along with the program just don't even know how to throw a baseball. So, and who yeah. knows? It it could also be a symbol. Like, um, Oli Oli Damagard um says that they show things to each other so that I mean, there's basically it's all symbolism. So it could like be a, something like, a like dog, okay, a dog getting, whistle thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be like um okay, we're getting the ball rolling. You know, something like that. Mm. Don't mm. know. Ah, who thought. knows? Who knows? <laughs> I think we should go back to this KGB guy, see what else he has to say, because uh, I think we've kind of like hit on a few things that he probably is going to hit on. I've seen this video, but it's been a while. I'm glad I'm glad you all brought it up. Was this was this OG that brought this to the to the plate here? Twas I. Oh, it was you, Stella. OK, cool. I humbly claim. Yeah, you claim it. Be proud. At least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, 
are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of, the, uh, of the United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be the greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually, it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. So true. That's exactly what we've been hitting on this whole time. I mean, yep. like people won't learn till they're forced. You know, again, I think to my conversation in the car with my folks where literally my dad's like, you know, we, the conversation kind of reached a crescendo. And my dad goes, well, you know, I used to get fired up about stuff too, but now, you know, I just want to, I just want to exist in peace for my last 20 or 30 years. Demoralization. He's like, he's washing his hands of it, giving up saying, you know, it's not my problem. I can't, I can't do anything. Like, why should I care? And 
Because you're in the back seat. That's why. That's why. Fair enough. Yeah. And I always was. Um, but this guy's hitting on it. They they won't hear what you're saying, no matter how true it is, until it literally bites them in the ass. Or as he said, what, give them a swift kick in the in the rump or whatever. What do you say here? And then show him concentration camp. He will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. He will receive a kick in his fat bottom. <laughs> I love this guy. I love the way he chucks the fat bit in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want to note that the interviewer in this is uh, G. Edward Griffin, and oh. he is a national treasure, and yes. he is still with us. And really? he has, uh, yeah, he's got a, a really cool group called Red Pill University and uh, a slightly political group called uh, called uh, Freedom Force International, which huh. is really, really cool. He's he's great. He uh, he's been interviewed on uh, Grand Theft World several times. Um, wow. Just wanted to throw a shout out to, so to is G because he like... he's. Yeah, um, he wrote um, uh, Jekyll Island. Uh, what is it? The, the creature um, from Jekyll Island. Creature from Jekyll Island. Uh, really, yeah. it's that guy Ex- exposing okay. the yeah. Federal Reserve. Yep. Huh. He's like the pre-Alex Jones. And I love going to Wikipedia to read about Griffin. It's hilarious. They just hmm. they hate him. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah, because he's been amazing, and he's and I guess they've never gotten to him. It's it's really weird because I I would expect them to get to a guy like that because he doesn't he doesn't do a whole lot of hey look at me stuff and he he doesn't uh, ride any sort of wave of being being this guy that's woken a lot he he woke up a lot of people I mean he <laughs> might be uh, yeah he's uh, creature from Jekyll Island is a really important book for people that want to know how this system works. I was watching a documentary just recently about Jekyll Island itself, and it's extremely interesting to note that uh, you've heard about the the mounds, the the mounds over there, the uh, ancestral mounds, the and native very, Native American mounds, yeah, yes, yeah, very sacred. Um, apparently, on Jekyll Island, there was supposedly giants, um, which mm. did cross over. With I mean, there's the odd photo, but who knows? I don't take too much notice of photos these days with AI, but. Getting to the point, um, Rockefeller's house that was built on Jekyll Island was built on top of a sacrificial altar, the very location. Wow. And that is where the Federal Reserve thing was born conceptually in 1912 and introduced in 1913. And they had artifacts there that were dissimilar from all the other natives in the area. So it's very likely... Giants. There was a what a scimitar there that was a, a little. It was bigger than a regular human would wield, right? Yeah, all sorts of evidence. Like it's very, con- it's quite convincing when you look at that stuff. I mean, there's always that one percent. Is that real? But you know, it's quite compelling. And then you know, when you look at how, like I just said, how Wikipedia speaks about Griffin, you can tell it's like here's one we haven't gotten to yet. We can't quite get him. <laughs> You know, that's what that's the impression mm. I get. Interesting. Wow. Well, that's kind of good to know. Uh, I thought there's this was just some random interview from 30, 40 years ago, but um, 84. What'd you, what'd you say this guy's name was? The interviewer, G. Edward Gr- Griffin. G. Edward Griffin. Okay. 
When a military boot crashes, his, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation. Uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can kind of feels like what he's talking about here is, you know, the riots and the you know, destabilization. I like I feel like this is where we exist right now. Yeah. Two to five years to destabilize a nation. That is frightening. And when did the riots happen across the world? What, two years ago? Three. Was it three? This is 2020. Uh, yeah. 2021 primarily, I think, isn't it? Anyway, the, the, no, it's twenty. Right, okay. Yeah, it's frightening. Should I play on? Let it roll. You can see quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as as uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I I could never believe it. Fourteen years ago, when I landed uh, in this part of the world, that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system However ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy, whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot uh, if, if you are not. 
I just want to say, I fucking love the way this guy talks. I don't give a hoot. It, it, he's used the word bottom twice. I just, I just want to point that out. And, and schmucks. Yeah, I and love schmucks. it too. Schmucks. He's this it. guy. This he's a cool motherfucker. Those, there's two legends right there. <laughs> Any thoughts? So he, he mentioned the the normalization whenever the tanks showed up, and what were they calling it? The uh, a few years ago, they were saying it was the uh, the new normal. Yeah, yeah, so, good point. Yeah, yes. It seems like a lot of these things, whether, you know, you're talking about, uh, I, I think maybe this country, I I know that this country has been taken over multiple times in multiple ways. It's it's like every time we, we just go a deeper layer into this uh, technocratic communism, which is, is the system that they're trying to set up for us. And that's why the attack is on the money now. Well, and it's, I mean, you say this country, but like Stella's going through the same shit in Australia, right? I mean, it's beyond oh, yeah. the United States. This is, this is the, the greater, Global Homo, um, slash, greater pattern, uh, the right? GAE. Yeah. 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 Well, um, you know, th- well, not so much through my life, but through my parents' life and et cetera, it, it, it's done such a flip because there used to be a lot of, well, pretty much all the countries, I guess, this is what they're attacking, they, uh, national pride. Um, so, you know, we love Australia. We, you know, stand by our farmers. Um, that's sort of the, what the farmers got attacked that, which is the backbone of the country. They got attacked. That's been smashed to smithereens. You know, that whole industry has been smashed. It's like slowly bit by bit, things have been sold off, destroyed. Um, it's apathy. They're really promoting apathy because it does get to a point where it's just so, you know, so obvious. Even the even the the people who don't normally see things can see it, but they're just not caring because yeah, we're just distracted. I mean, I, I've seen a massive decline since the introduction of the internet. That really did change everything. It changed the world. It changed everybody's outlook. It changed everyone's focus. Perfect. What an incredible weapon. Is it? You know, the the perfect weapon thing. I I feel like applies to. I don't know what you call it in Australia. I assume you have something similar, but social security. Am I sick for saying I really, really want social security to fail just to wake people the fuck up? It's funny you say that, Mike. I had always uh, said that the uh, clot shot was their way to make sure that social security can go on because they're going to kill off all the older people yeah, yeah. and then they're going to preserve the illusion that it'll, you'll have something it's going to pay for itself while they continue to rob it blind to pay for endless wars. And um, I'm sure they'll be paying for, for uh true surgery with that before long. That's what the military is actually doing right now with, uh, with our tax money. They, they actually, even have a clinic, something like 21% of trans are in the military. That's, that's pretty crazy. You know, I mean, there's such a small amount of people, but, but out of all of those people, one fifth of them are in the U S military and they can't see combat. They're not allowed to see combat. So that's, that's even, So what are they doing there then? Well, they've just been soaking up your money, getting them free hormones. And yeah. getting their rot pockets made. Yeah, and I mean, like when you break down social security, that you know, for the for the people who believe all this crap, um, 
the army or the military is the social security, isn't it? Because that's who's sort of keeping us safe in air quotes. Um, so, of course, they're going to break that down, break down the military. It's just like the Trilateral Commission, break down the military, break down the church, uh, using technology sort of thing. So that's, yeah. And that's, um, are you all starting to see why I've been preaching nat- nationalism lately? That, yeah, well, you know, this guy basically hates yeah. nationalism. Yeah, and then you see it like Canada. They changed their they changed their national anthem to say "my home on native land" instead of "and native land" to say that you're really? not. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. Okay. It's that one little change, one little word can make all the difference, and that's a lot to do with Bible translations as well. Um, but it's just coming out now that um, Anthony Albanese, our PM. Prime Minister, I can't even, it's hard to say. (laughs) It's just so pathetic. Um, But, yeah, it's coming out now about um, a lot of the Indigenous that are driving this uh, change, the referendum, the voice thing. I don't know if you guys know much about that, but it's a thing that's going on. And um, a lot of the people that are driving all this have, people have gone into their backgrounds, including the Prime Minister, and they're all Chinese Communist Party. They're all communism aligned, all of them, trained um, people who are at the at the wheel of these things. There's a particular guy here, Thomas Mayo. Um, he's pretending to be an Aboriginal guy, an Indigenous fella. Um, his name actually was Mayor, M-A-Y-O-R, and he dropped the R to appear more Indigenous. Um, but his, his roots are, there's a little bit of Indigenous in him, but it's Torres Strait Islander, Filipino, and Polish from memory, um, total communist drive driven, trained, like even self-professed. Um, and a lot of these, unfortunately, the indigenous have also been taken over, um, over a period of decades, not just now. And of course, Albanese at the wheel, he's the weakest little, I better mute. (laughs) Who is, who is the, um, the Congresswoman that claimed, Ab, are not Aboriginal, but Indigenous blood. Um, anybody? He, from, oh, from, you're talking about Elizabeth them. Warren. Warren Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pocahontas. Yeah. Um, well, it, okay. So this almost to me, I'm like, I'm like, this is a psyop that seems to go way back. I feel like I was listening to you guys on the Union of the Unknowns talking about how even that word of Aboriginal, right? Yeah. Yep. It's like counterintuitive. It's saying like the not originals. Yes. Even well, though the, the implication is those are the first nations people like to call them aboriginal is almost a, uh, like a psyop in its own right. And you could make the same argument for calling natives of North America Indians. I mean, I'm not saying this was like a conscious, like psyop decision, but it's, it's one of these many ironies where it's like, the implication is they're not from North America. They're from India. And now it cycles back around to the folks who, you know, maybe are in, you know, by blood European or where, wherever from, uh, this is not your native land. It's, it's someone else's native land. You are not the originals. You are the aboriginals. You are not natives. You are Indians. I mean, Am I crazy? Like it, it feels like the same kind of psyop. Those, Not crazy the at people all. in uh, South Africa that are being 
persecuted right now have been there longer than the uh, darker skinned people in their area. They they've they've been there several generations more. Um, but they're being attacked for being white and successful and uh, and creating farms. This is exactly what happened at Holodomar. You know, they, they said, they told them that those people are kulaks and you've got to take everything from them. And that it's communist agitation. They use the same playbook because there's not an original bone in any of their bodies. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I do kind of wish Drew was here because he would be able to have a lot of input here because he's mm. a, a very good knowledge. But um, yeah, you, you're right. Exactly. You're not crazy at all because um, it is, well, Drew would probably say um, that even the indigenous or the first nations people in Australia are even not the originals. So just, yeah, what Ando was just saying. And there is some very strong ties and culturally um, to suggest that the indigenous in Australia originally did come from India, um, even to the point where apparently the aboriginals here um, and other aboriginals call them aboriginals. So I sort of don't mind too much using that word, but I don't prefer it. But there is a thing called the Shiva dance, apparently. Um, now, we all know that where Shiva is, comes from. Uh, that's Hindi, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Indian, yeah. So that's, yeah. I think that was, wasn't that the goddess of destruction? Isn't that the Shiva statue that's outside I think, CERN? I think so, yeah. It, yeah. it is the statue that's outside of CERN, yep. Mm. Yeah, well, there you go. And mm. the, the feminine, yeah, the goddess is returning big time. You know, I... <laughs> I started to make this argument like in school. Um, you know, I studied ecosystem dynamics and um, we talked at length about this concept of invasive and or non-native species, right? Now there's a difference between an invasive species and a non-native species, but they often get lumped together in sort of a, it's like a catch-all. People assume one means the other, when in fact there's a massive difference. You know, we have tons of species that are non-native and not in any way invasive, right? There's I could name dozens of European species, Asian species that are not invasive in their behavior, right? So non-native would imply origin versus invasive implies behavior. You could theoretically have a native invasive, but people mix these together. They think anything non-native is in fact invasive. And I bring this up to say it's, you know, it's frustrating as a gardener when people are like, I want nothing but native species. And I'm like, okay, first of all, that's like incredibly limiting and unnecessary what you really mean when you say that is you want nothing but non-invasive species. You don't want any opportunistic invaders. That's another way of describing these plants. And, you know, my point is that it's not so much the origin of something. It's how it behaves in an ecosystem that matters, right? I am right. not. Um, in the Northwest, gonna... there's yeah. a bunch of blackberries. And mm -hmm. they grow like crazy, but they're invasive. Yeah. Uh, but they provide fruit, so it's kind of, you know, okay. Well, and that's a, that's a deeper argument even yet to say that just because something is invasive, does that actually mean that it's a bad thing? So, like, 
we have a whole lot of honeysuckle in the Midwest, Japanese honeysuckle. And it was brought in to stabilize soil and to provide habitat. And it's done those two things quite well, if you ask me. People don't like it because it's hard to get rid of. But the truth of the matter is, ecologically, it's better to have a plant stabilizing soil than not. Whether it's native or invasive really makes no difference. So my point is, like, native to win. This is always my argument. You know, plants... Animals, insects, pe- you know, people migrate. We always have. We always will. So, you know, native to win. Like, I am a native North American as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I had ancestors that came over on the Mayflower, according to our genealogy. And, you know, that might only have been a few hundred years ago. But I was born here. I grew up here. I don't see why anybody could call me exotic or non-native at this point. Um, I, you know, it, it's an argument that's lost on the dogmatic-minded. You know, in terms of like the plant thing with with hardcore envir- environmentalists, you will have a damned hard time explaining to them why they should consider planting a single, quote unquote, non-native plant because they're so dogmatic and it's like guess what motherfucker by that logic you don't belong here either you know uh i i I have to confess i might be one of those motherfuckers because (laughs) (laughs) i'm not not hard and fast but i'll tell you why i do advocate like i'm often saying to mum, let's get rid of that and put something native in you know and Mm -hmm. the reason is because of the local fault fauna particularly, mm-hmm. that, um, for instance, the bees. We've got a stack of these things called camellia trees. They're an English plant, and they're very, very popular in people's yards because they're sort of self-maintaining. They're always green. They flower nicely, etc., etc. So camellias and azaleas and rhododendrons, all in the same sort of genus, but they're not. We talked about camellia. This was fallen flowers, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, good memory. Um, but... You know, the bees don't really like the camellias. So I sort of think, well, that plant was not meant to be here. That bee is, and it doesn't really like it. So I'd rather, so I've, you know, I try to plant other things. I Admittedly, I have put a few non-native things in just to sort of, because they're quick growers and it's like, I just want to feed the bees, you know. So, but, you know, trying to transition. But um, the other thing about that is it's, it is sort of in a sense playing God because I think, um just in a sort of a, a primitive way, because I look at Australia and how the, um, rabbits are such an invasive species here. Um, they were brought over as, I guess, as food really um, by the colonials. And then there was such a rabbit problem um, because of their digging their holes, etc., that they then introduced foxes to kill the rabbits. And then the foxes became a bloody problem, um, killing all the native wildlife. And the, I mean, there's so many things have gone extinct. Like it's it's scary to look at the the extinct um, lists of things that have happened just since you know they've been keeping records I suppose um, so there's that sense of it too and that's where I'm coming from I'm just trying to nurture what is naturally here by bringing by increasing what is naturally going to feed those things um, because they're under attack from everywhere else you know what I mean that's my motivation yeah when I was- I was just going to say, it sounds like you're not a full-blown purist about it. That's kind of my point. Like, 
it's not no. so much native or or non-native it's what's the behavior in the ecosystem you know it's kind of like i have nothing against immigration in a in a sense i i am against invasion you know mm-hmm. there's a there's a difference it's out of balance yeah right and the cane toads, I, they, they were brought in to, for something, and now they're a pest, and they're moving mm-hmm. their way down. Sorry, Andrew. When I lived in New Zealand, uh, they said that, that people would oftentimes dump house cats out in, the, uh, out in the wild, and then they would become an apex predator and eat up all the, the critters out there. The, the critters out in New Zealand are nowhere near as harsh as the critters you have in Australia. They'll have monster spiders and things like that but there's nothing really there that can defend itself so the cats end up kicking everything's butt and owning it like yeah, flightless exactly. birds came from there you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's a extinct. problem that's a problem in um hawaii as well um because there were there's tons of like songbirds that are ground nesting in in hawaii and um yeah domestic cats that were let loose and went feral have become a serious problem. I I have a friend who spent a summer trapping and dispatching feral cats in Hawaii. Like he he was a cat assassin, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, I used to live on the edge of a national park, and um, there were the, you should have seen the size of some of the cats down there. I mean, I didn't see a whole lot mm-hmm. of them, but you hear stories of you know the the rangers that cruise around and and plug the. Uh, they're just like massive, these things. They're just like overgrown, full of ticks and just really sickly. I mean, they're best put out of their misery really in some ways. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm an animal lover. I'm a cat lover as well. But I think cats should be under – well, I don't want to bring in more rules. People should be way more responsible with cats. They should not let them roam at night. There's a gully just down the road from me that keeps me sane. I love that place. And I go down to watch the birds. And I watch these there's little tiny birds. They are so small that they can land on a blade of grass and just bounce up and down. They're tiny. Mm. And um, also the, the azure kingfish, kingfisher, which is a bright blue, beautiful thing. There's emerald doves. There's uh, just it's so many birds down there. And three times now I have been coming home from the shops in sort of dusk time and seen the same damn cat crossing the damn road from that damn house opposite the gully and cruising into the gully, and I just know damn well what's going to happen. It's going to hunt something, it's going to kill something, and something's going to suffer because of that damn cat. I stand by my comments a couple of episodes, fuck cats. <laughs> <laughs> they have their place, yeah. but they're never kept in that place. That's just a sad thing. Well, they're like, they're too damn effective. Very they're, efficient They're really hunters. good at killing. Yeah. They're very good. They're very good. And they do um, it for fun. Yeah, that's yeah. the other weird thing about cats is they do kill for fun. Yeah, I mean, you could feed a cat really well and it'll still go out and damn well kill it and bring it home yeah. like a reward. Like a like a prize, yeah. Yep. All right, well, I think we should play this one out and then there might be one more video to cover, but this guy's just like hitting so many buttons, I don't want to shortchange it. Um, yeah. So let's see what he says. I'm scared by now. Nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking. That every second, 
the disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, uh, the, the, uh, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, nothing ever can help United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to, to homosexuals, to prison inmate, all this freedom will vanish, evaporate in, in five seconds, including your precious lives. Um, the second thing, I, the moment at least part of the United States population is convinced that the danger is real, they have to force their government. And I'm not talking about sending letters, signing petitions, and all this beautiful, noble activity. I'm talking about forcing United States government to stop aiding communism. Because there is no other problem more burning and, and urgent than to stop the Soviet military-industrial complex from destroying what is whatever is left of the free world. And it is very easy to do. No credits, no technology, no money, no political or diplomatic recognition, and of course, no such idiocy as grain deals to USSR. The Soviet people, 270 millions of, of Soviets, will be eternally thankful to you if you stop aiding a bunch of murderers who sit now in Kremlin and whom President Reagan respectfully calls government. They do not govern anything, least of all such complexity as the Soviet economy. So basic, two, two very simple, maybe two simplistic answers or solutions, but never, nevertheless, they are the only solutions. Educate yourself, understand what's going on around you. You are not living at a time of peace. You are in a state of war and you have precious little time to save yourself. Um, you don't have much time, especially if you are talking about young generation. There's not much time left for convulsions uh, to the beautiful uh, disco music. Very soon it will go, just, just overnight. If we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen, they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon. If they don't stop, if they cannot curb their unsettled desire for profit, and if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism, they are going to hang very soon. And it, they will pray to be killed, but unfortunately they will be sent to Alaska probably to manage industry of slaves. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant. But I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocy as, as microfilm, James Bond type espionage. This is garbage. Okay. Uh, I really like what he just said. I did not defect to tell you a story about James Bond. I defected to tell you the truth and and what he said about Americans not liking to talk about uncomfortable things. 
God damn, if I can't relate to that, that's my family. You know, I am the black sheep because I will bring up the uncomfortable thing. And um, what he said about capitalists um, selling the rope that will eventually hang themselves, right? That, that to me screams technocracy, mm-hmm. right? Social media, Facebook, Twitter, fill in the blank. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Sort of un- unabated striving for, for, you know, it's the development of the algorithm. The most effective <laughs> way to sell the most people is also the most effective way to brainwash them. Yeah, like Al Gore said, it's an inconvenient truth, isn't it? I mean, convenience. It does, um, and I'm not advocating him, but I just thought it was an interesting choice of words. Um, yeah, yeah. The Al Gore rhythm. <laughs> that always amuses me. Oh. Yeah. Um, so as as uh, Yuri has pointed out in plain English in a Russian accent, um, that everything is infiltrated. So therefore, it's already happened. We're already here. Um, it's been infiltrated. Um, it's the only thing that's going to stop this is enough people to wake up through education. I don't see that a lot of that happening because that's what they're trying to censor at the moment, isn't it? We are trying to wake people up, the people who can see this, are trying to wake the other people up who we believe we'll be able to see if we could just show them that one thing that's going to make them click and that's what gets us all in trouble. It's what gets me in trouble. Just watch this one last thing. (laughs) But, um, yeah, stop aiding communism. Well, that's pretty hard when you actually have communists now at the helm, like as in Australia and as obviously in America and everywhere. You could pretty much – I don't think there's any countries really that come to my mind that are sort of free of all this. I'm sure there's probably one or two. But the African people that tried to push back about all this, I mean, how many African leaders died uh, in 2021, 22? I think it was seven, um, like the ones that were trying to push back against the uh, corona thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's almost, a, well, it is sort of too late in one sense. And that's where I think we have to shift our, our expectations of where we what am I trying to say? Get right with God. That's what I'm trying to say <laughs> because it's coming down to that basically. Um, I don't know whether how much saving can be done at this point. It's hard not to be blackpilled after listening to that. I mean, that was almost 40 years ago. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Well, and so at again, I mean, that's actually a good point Like to keep in mind. He's saying all this 40 years ago. He's saying at that point, we are already demoralized. We are already destabilized. We are already at war. Yes. You know, my question, I suppose, is: Was he being, um, was he over? Was he was he exaggerating, or or was that the case? And is it still the case? I tend to think like we are. I I I I can understand what he means when he says like you have been lied to, in you know, in thinking that you are in a time of peace. The war has already begun. It kind of feels that way. And like, I'm not, I, I want to avoid civil war on this continent at all costs. Right. I'm not like trying to say that I want this shit, but it it feels like we are in a cold war with ourselves and we have been. I would agree. Yeah. Ando? 
I I was listening to uh, Grand Theft World Liberty Radio last night with uh, with our friend the Drizzle, and uh, and his friend the Hyona had a new track, and it had a clip from Carol Quigley, and I believe that the clip came from the '80s or so, uh, but it was it was Carol Quigley talking about why he titled his book uh, Tragedy and Hope, and he was talking about losing hope for western society in the clip i'm gonna go find uh the song because it's part of the part of the whole thing and i'll send it to you here in a second just because uh, i think it's just something everybody needs to hear and plus we'll get to hear the hyona he's a cool yeah. dude i assume like this is the type of artist that won't mind if we use their their track i bet he would love it good 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 um there's a really good uh episode about Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope by James Corbett. If you want to go and have a look there, thecorbettreport.com. Yeah. Well worth a listen. Mike, I'm not going to try to make you do an episode, but this would uh, not be a bad based or bogus episode on this guy. Yeah. The the musician, Quigley, what was his name? Oh, no, no, the Yuri. Oh, Yuri Bezmanov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it have would some probably reserves about that do you OG? You have some reservations about it, um, Yuri? I'm gathering. Uh yeah, I mean I have uh, a lot of reservations about anybody that kind of comes from that, you know, Eastern Bloc uh communist era. Um, you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm starting to think that you know, we actually lost the Cold War because you know, while the Communist Party may have been dissolved, all the people who were in power, who became the oligarchs or communist party members. And, you know, um, you know, they kind of got to take (laughs) the, uh, veneer of capitalism and kind of run rampant with it. And, you know, they still kind of control that part of the world with an iron fist. Look at Putin. Well, maybe, you know, the argument could be made. Maybe he's one of these guys that's like telling telling us the quiet part out loud for the sake of spiritual consent. Complicity. Like, yep. Yeah. You have to include the fine print in order to make it happen. I don't think he's a, a good guy necessarily. Um, I I've defended him more than. More than probably anybody does, because I, I can just see the whole machine attacking him. But he's he's a nationalist, and uh, and that's one of the reasons why he's coming under attack from from the the GAE, the Globalist American Empire. Uh, why that's happening? And then he also kicked out several oligarchs that went next door that that lit the powder keg. That is what we're dealing with right now. I don't. Um, I don't I don't think that well I think that he's he's being used for sure as you know as what he is you know he's probably the second best military in the world right so he's being used for that but I I think that they counted on him doing all of this you know and they they wanted all of this to happen but they backed him into a corner where he couldn't couldn't do anything but fight and that's that's how these guys do their thing and that's how a lot of these conflicts are going to keep starting um to get the uh 
to get the third world war or whatever you want to call it off the ground. It's already off the ground. I, I did feel that um, he was quite genuine when he said, I couldn't believe when I came to America how far it had all gone. He seemed quite genuine about that. Um, it was sort of like, oh, the plan has worked really well, Igor, you know. Yeah. Well, they took over the education system 100 years ago or more. So it's been in the works. Um, we've got this song that Ando recommended should we see what it has to tell us you'll you'll get the clip within the first few minutes or first few seconds that is and then uh let it jam a little bit and then we'll come back to the show cool i then spent 20 years writing it so 45 to 65 in the meantime i had written a shorter book which 15 publishers had rejected, and I had set it aside. I wrote it the first time in the only summer I had off, which was 1942. Wrote it a third time, just dashed it off, and that is the book for the evolution of civilizations. It's only 279 pages. One thing that intrigued me, well, just last night my wife and I was talking about it, was the title of the book, Tragedy and, and Hope. Yes. Now, what it means is this. I think it is absolutely tragic. It is shameful. It is sinful. that Western civilization is going to go down the drain. When I wrote that book, which is less than 10 years ago, I had hope that we could save Western civilization. I am extremely skeptical now that it can be saved. I think we're just about finished. It is shameful, it is sinful that Western civilization is going to go down the drain. When I wrote that book, which is less than 10 years ago, I had hope that we could save Western civilization. I am extremely skeptical now that it can be saved. I think we're just about finished. Yeah, It'll just repeat the clip for the rest of the song, but it's yeah, a badass jam, though, dude. That, yeah, that, that, shit, awesome. that shit slaps, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah. highly recommend y'all tune in to Grand Theft World Liberty Radio live. Get in the chat, hang out. Hi, Yona's usually there. I'm there sometimes if uh, if I'm not driving. Uh, it's a good time. Why am I listening to like non badass anarcho music, man? Like, what the fuck? Am I don't I know doing? what's wrong with you. The, you know, <laughs> uh, James Seven Pilato puts out uh, an hour of music every weekday. So, Jeez, you know, it, there's, there's your, you know, you go listen to his, his music, he, he curates and puts together mm-hmm. for us. And then you also get the, an hour of news with the song at the end. It's awesome. How fucking cool is this community y'all? Um, yeah. <laughs> how cool are we? I mean, for real, like we rock. <laughs> we, so I, I, I can deliver a ton of black pills to everybody all the time, mm. but <laughs> You know, the the community itself, like what what is formed out of all of this, you know, from from guys like us to, you know, at, at you know, that are not 
getting as much attention as, as a lot of people, all the way up to Alex Jones, whether he be an op or not, you know, but he's huge. And, like, this whole thing really came out of, you know, of a whole bunch of people. Well, it's been going on for a really long time, back to G. Edward Griffin, you know, way back back to that. Then you can, you know, you can add David Icke into that mix as well. And, you know, Stella's got ideas on him being an op as uh but, you know, I, I mean, I was even listening to some people saying that, that uh, no agenda might be an op, whatever. There's there's possible ops everywhere. Um, yeah, that's right. But, you, we do have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, but still, this community, what what's come up out here and the fact that it's not, it's decentralized, just like the WTF forum, you know, uh, Mike and I might not have made tonight's show, but... We also could have other people running the show. That's that's the uh, that's the plan for things eventually. Mm-hmm. Can I read a little bit about tragedy and hope? Sure, please. The book covers the period of this is from Wikipedia, by the way. The book covers the period of roughly eighteen eighty to nineteen sixty three, and it's multidisciplinary in nature, though perhaps focusing on the economic problems brought about by the First World War and the impact these had on subsequent events. While global in scope, the book focuses on Western civilization. Uh, yeah, the book um, attracted the attention of those interested in geopolitics due to Quigley's assertion that a secret society, initially led by Cecil Rhodes, Alfred Milner, and others, had considerable influence over British and American foreign policy in the first half of the 20th century, from 1909 to 1913 birth of the Federal Reserve, Milner organised the outer ring of the society as the semi-secret roundtable groups. The book is based on archived files from the Council on Foreign Relations. There you go. So I I want to say, like, we should we should be careful not to label everything a fucking op, dude. Like, so to me, what what tends to ring true and what tends to past like my discernment if you will is the stuff that feels organic and authentic you know speaking of say no agenda you know they are not a show that takes on any kind of advertisers they're strictly listener supported and i know that sounds like some npr nonsense but we all know npr gets a whole lot of private or uh, public money right my point is like I tend to trust things that feel organic and obviously, or, you know, I hope it's obvious this forum is like as organic as it can get. And I'm glad that we're skeptical even of those people in what we might consider our community. You know, we don't want to be too trusting of anybody, but at the same time, I, you know, I'm not going to like stop listening to no agenda you know, just because some guy on Twitter said it's a fucking psyop, you know. Um, yeah, well, that guy could be the psyop, <laughs> the guy that said that they're a psyop. So yeah, you know, Stella Q could be the psyop. OG Dadbod could be the psyop. <laughs> Mike the Polymath, Ando, we could all be a psyop. But I'm, I'm thinking we're probably not. I, <laughs> I, I hope somebody. I mean, maybe MK Ultra. I did take some acid in college. Like maybe I'm just an <laughs> MK Ultra, you know, motherfucker. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the whole like liberty movement sets itself way too far back by saying, "Oh, it's a psyop or so and so is a Fed." Like, 
if if it was that dark and and grim like then we shouldn't even be worried about trying to like advance the cause of liberty because then there's not you know there's not going to be anything you can do you're just going to get wrapped up black bagged and you know that'll be the end of it yeah that's true but of course they're going to infiltrate the most advancing arm that they see is like for instance they infiltrated the church didn't they i mean they've pretty much broken a lot of that down um so they're going to infiltrate the truth of the community that's just a fact they will i, I don't know who is who uh, but it, it, different things are coming out about different people that are sort of you know there's just little things that you sort of notice um yeah i'm not going to sort of be specific because it's yeah look at rfk <laughs> there you go i'll be specific uh, we'll no, get robert no, malone yeah. No agenda. They they call him Robert the Op or Bobby yeah. Bobby the Op. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, it is I mean it's it's kind of daunting and like exhausting even to to have this this frame that we look through things as like everything could be an op. And I I think it's sort of borderline necessary, but yep. honestly, like we're not going to get anywhere if we don't trust you know a little bit, right? Somebody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it had yeah, to I take agree, a little but... bit of trust for everybody to show up at Childerberg, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or any protest for that matter. Yep. Those protests through 2021 particularly, it was, I mean, that took a lot of guts for people to turn up to that and it was pretty cool. But of course that got infiltrated as well. Yeah. Mics were taken off people that had something good to say, stuff like that. So that's what happens. I mean, they'll just focus on any any advancement that we have. They'll just go, okay, that's where we need to be. And they will work their way in. And there's a whole bunch of them here in, in, in Australia that are just, they're so obviously ops. It just takes a little tiny bit of time to look into what other people are saying, exposing them. But it's just not happening on mass. Well, you know, I'm tempted to play this, um, this last clip that, who shared this? Stella shared. Um where Pfizer Pfizer's getting called out, you know, we, we can't go through a whole show without at least just talking about the jabby jab a little bit. <laughs> so let's see if there's anything juicy in here and then, you know, we'll, we'll maybe analyze it real quick and then wrap her up. But you this might need is, a, you might need a sick bag for this. Yeah. So this says uh, the title of the video, Pfizer can't explain why their COVID vax causes myocarditis. Um, and I'll say on the front end here, I still know people who think that you were more likely to get myocarditis from COVID than you were from the vaccine. And I'm not going to claim to have done the, uh, the studies, the surveys, but it seems like that is not true from where I'm sitting. Well, you know, um, hot weather causes your blood to clot. Did you know? Yeah. Well, and, uh, and shoveling snow will give you a heart attack. Goddamn climate change. (laughs) (laughs) It all ties in, doesn't it? All right, let's see. Let's see what this is all about. I'm not sure I've seen this one yet, so I'm curious. Uh, According to the Pfizer 9 clinical report, there was no carcinogenic tests, no genotoxicity tests, no immunotoxicity tests, no uh, iteration studies, interaction studies with other medicines, no longitudinal studies. And I note that in regards to pregnancy and lactation, that studies were conducted on rats. Um, does how can Pfizer say that the vaccine was unequivocally safe without qualifying any risks around the vaccine? 
Uh, Senator, I don't have that report in front of me, so I'm afraid I can't talk to that. What I can say is that the TGA is one of the world's leading regulators. Okay, is, okay. Well, well I, you can take my word for it. I've got, I'm happy to table this document, okay? So it, it clearly stated that a number of tests were not conducted, okay? And given that those tests weren't conducted, and I accept it was a short time frame, I accept we had a short time frame, but that doesn't remove the risk that certain risks were not analysed and you never highlighted those risks when the vaccine was rolled out. Senator, I disagree with that statement. I think there was well, a very well, clear assessment okay. of the benefit of risk. The Therapeutic no, Goods Ministry is a very thorough and very competent authority, perfectly able to reach a decision based that, on data which it, acts, which it well, reviews. Okay. So, so initially when the vaccine was rolled out, myocarditis and pericarditis wasn't a recognised side effect. Does Pfizer understand why the vaccine causes myocarditis and pericarditis? And if not, how then can it guarantee that it's not also injuring other organs? And can you explain the process why the vaccine causes myocarditis and pericarditis? I'll take that, Dr. Hewitt. Sure. Um, based on our clinical trials and pharmacovigilance data, as well as real world evidence following the distribution now of, of billions of doses of vaccine, we retain confidence, strong confidence in the safety profile of the vaccine. So, sorry, Chair, point of order. Point of order. I've asked, do you understand why it causes, I know that it's a low risk, I'm asking, do you understand why it causes myocarditis? I want you, I want you to explain to me why it causes myocarditis. Do you Pfizer, understand why it causes myocarditis? Pfizer is aware of very rare reports of myocarditis and pericarditis that have been temporarily associated with vaccination. Well, that's However, still ongoing for some people. Senator Reddick, uh, Dr. Theroux should answer the question. Thank you, Dr. Theroux. According to public health experts and regulatory authorities around the globe, the number of reports of myocarditis remains small. Well, I'm not referring to the number of reports. I want you to explain to me the mechanism of how the vaccine causes myocarditis. Do you or do you not understand the mechanism of why the vaccine causes myocarditis? It looks to me like you don't. And if you don't understand it, why are you saying the vaccine is safe without qualifying the risks? So, so, um, Senator Rennick, I think uh, Dr. Theroux is actually about to get to that point. Whether people agree, whether there's agreement to his evidence or not, is another question for others to make a judgment on. Um, but if, Dr. Theroux, if you could uh, again go to um, Senator Rennick's uh, question. Senator, uh, all medicines, all therapeutic products and vaccines have uh, benefits and have side effects as well. Looking at the totality of the evidence for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, uh, regulatory authorities, health authorities, experts globally, including in Australia, within the Department of Health and the TGA, have maintained that the benefit-risk ratio... That's not the question that I asked. I asked, can you explain why the vaccine causes myocarditis? Yes or no? Uh, Senator, the benefit-risk ratio... Yes or no? So you clearly don't understand the pathway, do you? Because you can't explain it. I'm not referring to the cost-benefit analysis here. I'm referring to do you understand the biochemical pathway as to why the vaccine causes damage to the heart? 
Senator, I'm happy to take your question on notice and come back to the committee with whatever information we can provide. I might just clarify, I was not referring to a cost-benefit analysis in my previous response. I was referring to the benefit-risk rate. <laughs> I wasn't talking about a cost-benefit yeah, ratio. <laughs> it's a risk-benefit ratio. Yeah, oh, my God. What a schmuck. What, what, oh, my God. So I do think this is from the same um, like hearing where they talked about how the Pfizer employees got their own like special batch of vaccines. Yep. Um, OG brought this up in the comments. I believe I've seen a different clip from the same hearing. Um, it's not yes. quite over. So maybe let's play out the last uh, 20 seconds. That other one you were talking about was with another senator called Malcolm Roberts. Okay, so different um, senator, but same same panel guys here. Same schmucks. Same schmucks. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's see if there's anything in this last 20 seconds. And we'll, uh, if anybody wants to try to find that other clip where they're talking about how the Pfizer, you know, employees got like a different batch, that might be interesting. But let's see here. Ratio. And health authorities around the globe continue to recommend. Uh, the benefits. Uh, and that's, of, this isn't the question that I'm asking. Anyway, thanks. Okay, I guess that was it. Um, so this is my, like, the crux of my argument in general is, like, these these vaccines clearly do have negative potential side effects. There's no legal uh, ramifications if you get injured. You know, they have broad immunity from lawsuits. Um why should I put anything in my body where I cannot sue if it fucks my shit up? You know, it seems like a pretty basic question, but nobody wants to answer it. They're just the masters of evasion, aren't they? It's so pathetic. It makes my blood boil when they just can't answer. Just say no. If you don't bloody know, just say yeah, no. But then yeah. I, I suppose that opens up a whole bunch of litigation and, you know, possible being sued if they actually say the word no oh you have stuff. to be very careful with your words yeah mm. faith is very important in the religion of science yeah yeah exactly it is a religion that's exactly what it is a godless religion oh looks like og dude you're clutch with the clips tonight bro you're killing Man, it. it's this mac computer that's what it is <laughs> did you get a new did you mac. get a new uh laptop there not well it's the uh it's the one i've been doing the the podcast with so cool 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 it's my old work computer all right let's hear this is kind of like this one came across to me when i saw it earlier as being kind of vague and um i don't know but it's it, it's certainly it raises an eyebrow Makes your ha hair stand up on the back of your neck just a little bit. Um, your vaccine mandate was using your own batch of vaccine, especially imported for Pfizer, which was not tested by the TGA. Is that correct? Uh, Senator, so Pfizer undertook to import um, a batch of vaccine specifically for the employee vaccination program. Read that um, your vaccine mandate was using your own batch of vaccine, especially imported for Pfizer, which was not tested by the TGA. Is that correct, uh, Senator? So, okay, so that's uh, that's only like a ten-second clip. Um, apologies for that. But what I gathered when I saw this earlier was that 
the um they they got their own like batch of vaccines separate from the supply that went to everyone else in the country and their excuse is that they didn't want to draw from sort of previously spoken for stock you know it would not be ethical for them to use the vaccines that are for the normal folk so we're going to get a special batch for our people so that we're not a drain on the national you know vaccination effort everything about that just is sketchy in my opinion like dude so wait you guys made the vaccine but you get to like take your own batch and everyone else takes something different what the fuck's that about yeah i mean how can they possibly justify that there's just no way they can't and you know it's a, did... it's a weak argument they're saying yeah we don't we didn't want to impoverish the rest of the nation by you know taking from the the greater stockpile it's I, it's not I, a, yeah. it's not a good argument <laughs> no i've also heard that they were exempted uh whenever they were trying to do that osha mandate remember the OSHA mandate that they attempted to, to pull on us mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, pharmaceutical companies were exempted from those. Yeah. Why? <laughs> so Stella's just shared another clip, two minutes um, talking about excess deaths. So we're getting the, this, just so you know, we're getting the Aussie perspective here. Um, this is all, is this like, what can you tell us about? Is this like this, Senate like subcommittee on COVID like review or what what are we looking at here do you know Um, I can't really tell you it's just these hearings that seem to be going on at the moment which you know I mean I'm a bit skeptical about myself it's a royal Mm. uh, no it's not a royal commission they're just investigations at this point I believe they're they're questioning Moderna um, executives is what it seems like all right, yep. so yeah, yes. this says the title of the video: "Thousands more Aussies die dying than usual, and Moderna passes them off as COVID deaths." Yep. So what's happening? This is about the greater greater mortality rate. Come to you this okay. Thank you for appearing today. In Australia, there was a significant rise in excess deaths. At April 2023, there was a 27% in excess of the, of the normal level. That's likely 30,000 excess deaths per year, mostly not due to COVID. As the injections increase, the deaths increase. As the injections decrease, the deaths decrease. Can you suggest an explanation? So um, I, um, I'm not sure where, uh, the, what the data you're referring to. Australian so I, Bureau of Statistics. So I've, I've read the report from the Australian Bureau of Statistics that, that, that looks at deaths, um, excess mortality up to the uh, end of the first quarter of 2023. Um, when I read that report, um, I, I noted that the, uh, in 2020 and 2021, um, uh, excess mortality was either within the normal range or slightly below. In 2022, we do see um, that there is an increase, there, uh, there is excess mortality outside the normal range. But in fact, it does appear to be actually due to the SARS-CoV-2 infections, because the periods in which uh, excess mortality do correlate with spikes in disease activity. Um, and the ABS did do an additional analysis where they subtracted the number of COVID deaths uh, from the total number of deaths. And when they did that, the, uh, the uh, 
the mortality rate was actually um, within um, the expected range. Um, so it suggests very clearly that the, uh, the excess mortality that we've been observing in 2022 was actually due to the virus. Okay, I'm going to translate real quick because we Americans don't understand y'all fancy, fancy speak. <laughs> but what he's saying is, you know, 2021 excess mortality was within normal ranges. But in 2022, we did see a little, you know, spike. But it went along with, with you know, spikes in COVID. So it's totally normal. You know, it was just COVID people dying, even though they weren't dying the year before. And now that we've rolled out the vaccines, they're they're dying again. Um, he, he's kind of confirming what the guy stated in his question, where he says, as j- you know, jabs went up, so did deaths. As jabs went down, so did deaths. And he's just like tiptoeing around it and confirming it while while saying, well, it wasn't the jabs. It was the virus. Right. What was the general um, vaccination rate for Australia? I don't know. I really don't believe anything that they tell us so that they'll just come out with statistics that um, suit them at the time. So I, yeah. I, I, I don't take a lot of notice of the, the numbers because I know how statistics get, you know, morphed yeah. into the narrative. Um, I believe I believe they claim they claim pretty high numbers, though. Yeah, right? I think that yeah. I think that was something like 80 percent or something around there. But mm-hmm. don't quote me on that. Um, but I don't know. Well, our equivalent of whatever your um, medical board is. But I know that here the AHPRA, which is the or APRA, the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, were were also giving strict instructions to medical staff about, you know, things like um, putting COVID onto um, death certificates and, um, you know, not saying certain things and having to do things, you know, the the rules and regulations to protect the narrative. Um, because I've heard of a number of acquaintances who have said, oh, yeah, well, my friend works in the hospital and she said that it's just, you know, it's really bad and blah, blah. And it's like, and yet at the same time, I'm seeing other footage of people cruising around the hospitals at that time when it's supposed to be overrun. Just showing absolutely empty hospitals, you know, the same deal as what you guys got. So it was pretty much carbon copy, really, of what happened over there, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Threats and you know threats of loss of job, etc. Is Mike frozen? No, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm frozen. <laughs> I thought you were frozen. <laughs> No, I was just messing with stuff. I've, you know, I've got a funny one here um, on this note, <laughs> and I almost forgot about this, but I'm glad it just popped into my mind. Check this out. Okay, you guys. So I'm a registered nurse, and I watched that video of Justin and Sophie Trudeau um, supposedly getting their COVID vaccine, and I could spot this from a mile away, but they made a big error. Actually, they made two errors when they were receiving that shot. Um, so I'm going to review this with you because I don't think that they actually did get a vaccine. I bet you that that needle had a retractable needle on it or something. And here's why. Okay. Okay. So notice how she's giving him the injection and she hasn't done any landmarking and watch what she does here. She gives it with one arm, one hand. She's not even touching his arm and landmarking where his deltoid is. Second of all, there was another mistake she made. She makes the same mistake on Sophie. Look at this. No landmarking. 
She's just one hand in it in. Nobody does that. You don't give IM injections that way. Okay, this YouTube clip shows you how you're actually supposed to deliver an IM injection into the deltoid, and you'll see that they landmark by cupping their hand over the top of the deltoid. Here are some news clips of people receiving a vaccine via IM injection. And notice how every single one of them, they are landmarking. Sometimes they're not landmarking correctly, but they are landmarking. Nobody is sitting back and sticking that vaccine in like it's a dart. It just doesn't work that way. Look at this. Every one of them. See, that's the proper way to give it right there. And also, did you notice that they aspirated before they injected? Okay, so here's a close-up. So look at this again. Tell me, does that look like how any of them were administered in the other shots that I just showed you? Look, right in like a dart. Zero landmarking, nothing. She didn't... All right. What do y'all think? <laughs> were they faking it? Remember uh, Biden getting his and Biden having a uh, not having a tattoo on TV, but has a tattoo on his arm in real life. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on which Biden clone you're talking about. But yeah, is it is it long lobes or short lobes? Uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's the same Biden that showered with his daughter. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So the the funny thing about this whole thing, I mean. It is kind of suspicious that she just, I mean, I've gotten lots of shots and yeah, nobody ever just like one armed it, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's pretty weird. Um, you know, part of me wants to say like, this was just for the camera shot. They're like, yeah, don't get your other arm in the way. We want to see his big buff arm with his fancy tattoo. And, uh, you know, Trudeau's the national heartthrob fucking prime minister. So, you know, we don't want to block the shot. Looks like yep. one of those Nazi eagles or something. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of when my brother and I were little, and he, he used to he used to be right into Hollywood, um, anyway, props and things like that, and sort of dress up as horror creatures and scare the living daylights out of me. But um, he, one of the props that he had was a retractable needle thing, and we used to pretend to give injections mm -hmm. to each other mm -hmm. all the time. So I mean, they're, you know, there's just a Hollywood prop basically quite viable that that's all it was well so it was just barely mentioned but the whole issue of aspirating okay this is something that changed with the covid injections um typically with like a flu shot you're supposed to aspirate meaning you pull the plunger of the syringe out to make sure that you're not in a vein that you're not directly injecting into a blood vessel and they changed their recommendations with COVID shots to where they said, don't, don't bother with aspiration. Now there was that one clip out of like seven or eight of people actually getting their, their jabs. And only one of them, you could see the person pull that plunger back, ensure that, you know, blood didn't come into the syringe and then shoot it in. They, they changed this recommendation and it's something that hasn't gotten a lot of talk, but I remember when I heard it, like I know enough about this shit to know that's kind of weird. You know, you, 
you're not supposed to inject a vaccine directly into a vein and you're supposed to you know get it intramuscular like into tissue and this is part of the theory as to why some people had like heart issues and shit because if it went directly into a vein it would travel through your circulatory system find its way to the heart and kind of stay there at least some of it and again like the aspiration thing i've i've heard people refer to it but it seems like something that has been kind of i don't know swept under the rug overshadowed whatever you want to say i think there was a whole bunch of amateurs giving those injections i mean yeah. they, um they sort of you know trained the military loosely to do it as well mm-hmm. um i'm just uh, i'm looking at the australian um statistics of the vaccinated numbers that they propose if you want to know just to get it right um so march 30 as of march 31st this year it says that 97.6% of people aged 16 plus with at least one dose wow 96.2% of people aged 16 plus with two doses and 72.4% of people aged 16 plus with three doses then that gives the numbers of what they are but um so yep just wanted to get that right do you think that well, that's what they're saying anyway <laughs> from your from your point of view does that seem like realistic or well, it's really hard to judge i mean i'm in a regional place i don't i mean all pretty much well okay let's say 96.2% of my friends <laughs> were mm. vaccinated so mm-hmm. um yeah there's a couple that managed to i, I managed to salvage but mostly no um, I, I know a few people who only got one and then they went, oh, yeah, I had to because I wanted to go to the club or whatever. I wanted to travel. Right. Run it, um, wanted to go on a cruise or whatever. I wanted to have a beer at the club. I mean, how pathetic yeah, is that? Right, Are you kidding? Right. Have a beer at yeah. home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was, a num- there was lots of them and um, ranging from semi-awake to completely asleep and trusting. And even, I hate to say it, but somebody, well, okay, my ex, um, he got, you know, a COVID shot and a flu shot pretty much same day. So, <laughs> hmm. and he has had a couple of situations since really? he probably yeah. won't tell me now, but he did when we were kind of talking more, he did take himself to hospital. Um, <clears throat> not long after that. Um, yeah. So I have, uh, he won't make that connection because mm-hmm. I'm just a stupid idiot conspiracy theorist. He liked me better when I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> What you got for us, OG? Well, I was going to say, Stella, uh, what happened to the people who chose not to be medical experiments over in Australia? Are things back to normal for y'all? Or is it just been a big nothing burger and everybody just tells you to, you know, you just move on or what? There hasn't been. Well, I mean, obviously there was a, a big deal at the time and you guys probably saw all that where people were being arrested in parks and just sitting outside or, you know, half a kilometre outside our 5K zone because we had a 5K limit at one point. Um, so, no, I mean, at, actually now, I don't go out a whole lot, I'll tell you that, so I'm, I'm a bit stupid as to exactly what's going on around me, but um, it seems to be, I still see the odd person wearing a mask. Um, I think they've tried a couple of times to bring back, you know, introduce some new variant or what have you. Um, but no, we're certainly not being asked anymore. Um, and also I discovered, which I, I didn't hear about until I found it by completely by accident. Apparently on the 1st of June this year, um, I think it was 
Senator Malcolm Roberts, which is one of the guys we were just watching, uh, got the health minister or whoever it was, the guy at the top to, that makes the decisions, to admit that there's no longer any need for mandates. Um, now, that's sort of something that you would think would be – I don't know if it was in the mainstream news, but I didn't see anything about it, and I kind of keep my eye on it a little bit now because of the shows that I do, but um, – I don't remember anything like that. And I've asked a couple of people and they knew nothing about it. So that was kind of quiet. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they waited long enough for people to stop listening before they're like, yeah, we don't need to do all this shit no more. Exactly. That's uh, it's, I think that's a common strategy. Just, just wait, just wait until people settle down and then say what you got to say to cover your ass. Um, And also a number of the um, health ministers in particular that were the the na- nasty people <laughs> through all that, um, they've all stepped down. Well, not all of them, but most of them have stepped down and they've kind of disappeared. <laughs> you know, like they're just out of the public eye. They've probably been put onto some other department. You just lay low for a little while. Go down the bar. Oh, they're, the they're, all chilling, they're all chilling on a beach in Bermuda or something. Yeah. But I, I almost feel like what OG, I feel like what OG might have been sort of halfway like alluding to, you know, here in the States, we started seeing stuff about quarantine camps. Now, I don't think that was necessarily for the unvaccinated, unless I'm mistaken. It was more for people that were COVID positive. But I mean, was that as weird and bizarre and like, um, was that as big of a deal as it? seemed like from what we were catching through twitter and instagram like yeah you know, was that the, um, the girl up in northern territory particularly that you're sort of referring to there was a girl could be, that, um, could be. Got, yeah she was like negative and she still got taken to this camp and there were some people taken to a camp up in northern territory um and mm-hmm. had to stay for a few days and it was outrageous it was sort of like it was just um I don't know, to me, they were just making an example, making sure that it hit the news. It was a fear-mongering thing, I think. But the fact that these camps have been built, mm-hmm. apparently, and I have seen footage of people filming, like driving past filming, so that I believe that they are there. I haven't seen them myself. Um, what What's happening with them now? I'm not really sure. It's quite possible that after the flood event that we had in northern New South Wales in the beginning of last year, which was tragic, like thousands and thousands of people were displaced, um, it's possible that some of those people may have gone up because there were busloads taking people when the evacuation centres closed down. There were busloads of people just being taken somewhere. And I asked a couple of people, like one of them was a like a councillor type person um, who was had very involved. He didn't know anything about that. He didn't know that people had been taken off in buses. So that was all kind of quietly done, like bustled off um, up to Queensland somewhere um, and I mean, these, that was the worst thing you could have done because these people were taken, not only did they lose their house and everything, but they were taken out of their area where they were familiar with and knew people. So I'm not really sure what happened with all that. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered your question, OG, but as far as like just, you know, walking around, going to the shops or what have you, it's all kind of back to normal at the moment. So, yeah, you can go about your business pretty much. You know, I, I, I can't really find it right off hand here, but I do remember a video where it was some Aussies all masked up with like freaking um, hazmat suits on. Uh, basically saying like, 
know, the guy, the guy in quarantine against his will is basically like, you know, none of this makes sense. And the guy with the mask and the, and the, and the hazmat suit responds by saying, it doesn't need to make sense. It's the law. Yeah. Something to that effect. I do remember that. I think it might've been a girl, but um, either mm-hmm. way. Yes. I remember that. Um, mm-hmm. That was, yeah. Look, I don't know. I just feel like that was massive fear mongering really. Um, yeah. So you don't know anybody personally or even secondhand that got forced into camps? No, I don't. No. Yeah. Okay. Not even close. Well, that's that's halfway encouraging. Yeah, but the fact that they're still there, but you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. millions and millions of taxpayer dollars have gone into these empty things. So I'm not sure why they're there. I don't know what's going to happen with them in future. I think that mm-hmm. was just them putting it on the radar, you know, like they do, like we were talking about before with the whole, if nobody says or does anything. Well, then it must be okay. Compliance. Right. Consent. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I'm about out of shit. I don't know if anybody has anything they want to say. Final thoughts, final topics, or what have you. But um, we're coming up on the three-hour mark here, it would it would seem. Oh, we're well beyond it, actually. <laughs> you know, for, for a totally unprepared forum, we did all right. Yeah. On us, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, Well done, Mike. Thanks for putting the big pants on. <laughs> yeah, I was being a little weenie. I was just like, I'm like, I don't want to. I, I am tired. I'm tired. No, I, you know, peer all pressure I needed, works. Peer pressure works, definitely. <laughs> and all I had to do was close my eyes for five minutes and turn off my brain and then hit the reset. And here we are. So, lesson learned. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm glad we made it happen, y'all. Appreciate you y'all joining me here. It's a good. This is like some of some of the. Uh, well, I was about to say OGs. There's only one OG here, but you know what I mean. Some of the some of the VIPs, the the MVPs of the forum, showed up, and I appreciate all y'all. Appreciate you and everyone. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap this some bitch up. Uh, this has been another. Wonderful forum. I gotta find the uh whatchamacallit. Oh, we got plugs. Music. Oh, we got plugs, yeah. All right. Why don't you start, Ando, and I'll wrap up. Uh burn babble on burn on your podcatchers or find me at libertylinks.io slash the doom kitchen or the doom kitchen at protonmail.com. I just did an episode with the history homos. Check that out. It's really great. Ooh. OG. Uh whole lot of nothing podcast. I'm on Spotify, Google Podcast, and YouTube. Uh Union of the Unknowns. I occasionally stick my head into the propaganda report with Brad Binkley and uh and these lovely people. And I'm Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. It's good having y'all. Hope you have a good one. We'll see you at the next WTF forum. <laughs>